Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Pickaloaf and Dr. Zong! And El Gorro! You went the batter, God. Welcome to Sylvan Gold, Daddy. I'm the loaf with me, Dr. Zom. Yes. Yes. And special, special guest and show programmer du jour, El Gorro. Hey, what's up, folks? How are we all doing tonight? First Wait, time is du jour um, Spanish? Yes, it is. I thought it was French. Maybe it is. Right. Um, so. Same thing. Not American. Yeah. Just something not American. Probably it's something we have to fucking read. So we're doing... Uh, um, El Goro picked a couple flicks for us this week. Uh, what was the theme? Uh, and I, I forgot what the, the, the term you used was um, when we recorded this week. Santo something. I think it was uh, supposed to be Santo Claus. Santo Claus. So we're doing, mm-hmm. a, we're doing a Santo Claus, even though he's only in one of them, double feature. Although we have El Hijo de Santo in the second. Um, we're doing... Santo contra las mujeres vampiro. Santo Wait, versus yeah. the vampire women. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I said Santo versus English, the vampire English, motherfucker! Um, okay. Um, and let's we're doing... Get this, let's get the show. Mil mascaras <laughs> contra las... Uh, what is uh, Azteca? La momia Azteca. Or actually, this one's... This one's an American movie, so it's just Mil mascaras versus the Aztec mummy. Or Mil mascaras <laughs> resurrección. So, oh, yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. From the Saggy Tit Brigade. Indeed. Oh, yeah, well, you know. He's like 70. Yeah. Like, don't talk about Harley Race that way. Uh, uh, don't Harley talk about PJ Souls that way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, uh, El Gorro, Gorro, pick these for us. Um, and uh, we'll talk about why it's kind of humorous that both of these got picked. Yeah. Um, Mr. I wasn't. I wasn't going for a deliberate theme, other than the fact that these were both, both luchador movies. But yeah, uh, as they, we were watching one of them, it's like, yeah, there's something funny here. The same, kind of the same. Um, so, uh, um, sir, um, Mr. Goro, <clears throat> why don't you tell us, uh, tell everybody a little about yourself and what you do? Okay. Well, I think some people might know me from my hosting of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. It's a <laughs> monthly movie podcast where I uh, used to have a co-host, but he split because he wasn't having fun anymore. So I've just been rolling <laughs> on it. <laughs> well, damn. If that if that's the criteria for it, we would have stopped a year and a half ago. Well, well, then why are you still going, man? <laughs> I don't know. Because fucking people will not let us stop. I know. God, guys, guess let us stop. <laughs> it's like a podcast mafia, money. man. <laughs> like a podcast mafia. Every time you yeah, think you got podcast. out, they pull you back in. We have a, we have a very demanding seventeen listener base. <laughs> I've seen your Facebook group, man. It's way more than seventeen, unless there's a lot of aliases. Oh, those those people don't listen to the show. 
Oh, okay. They just go over in for the dick pics. Yes, pretty much. Oh, yeah, God, no. don't get me started. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 definitely calmed down since uh, it first started. I remember there was a time I would dread uh, scrolling through Facebook in case a silver and gold <laughs> post came up. It seemed like there was a lot of a, a lot of that. And then, um, you know. and then Zom quit the group about eight times, <laughs> and it slowed down after that. Yeah. And then we got a bad review that said we had horrible chemistry, and it's been downhill ever since. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because clearly you guys absolutely have no chemistry. I fucking hate both of you. And Terrible. It's just like, I, I just listened to my, you guys and cut myself, you know, <laughs> put on a little Christian death and make a night of it. <laughs> so um, the uh, the two flicks I said the names already. Uh, El Cent- Santo versus the Vampire Women is sixty two. It is kind of the the forefront. The uh, it's a more early entry into the thing, and oddly, it only has a two point nine. Even though it's probably the highest heralded <laughs> Santo movie there is, uh, but it has a very low score on IMDb. But uh, Aztec Mummy, Mil Mascaras. This one is from 2007, and I that is it is easily the newest uh, luchador movie I've seen. So, well, that was the thing when we were discussing which ones to do. You know, I threw out a bunch of uh, Santo flicks, and you know, his real golden era was the 60s through mm-hmm. the 70s. And then uh, you're just like, well, let's see if we can find a new one. It's like, well, there's this Mil Mascaras movie I keep hearing about. <laughs> oh boy, we'll get into that. I, I could tell Zom was going to be a fan as soon as it started. So. <laughs> Um, so I guess we can uh, talk a little bit about what we've been watching lately. I know Zom and I are going to have super long lists because it's been a really long time since we recorded last, but we'll save those. Um, uh, Mr. Mr. Goro, what, what, what have you been watching lately that you want to Goro. talk about with us? I love the Goro. It makes me sound like some sort of Japanese robot. Go, Goro! Goro. Speaking of robots, we'll get to that later. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> oh, that yes, robot is fuck. awesome. Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right, well, I've been watching a whole hell of a lot of shit. Uh, I've been doing kind of an annual rewatching of Futurama because uh, oh, I man. fucking love that show. You guys watch it? I used to. I, I have not watched since they brought it. They brought it back to Comedy Central a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I pretty much I, I kept up when it was on Fox, but I never. Well, I haven't had cable for a long time, but I never. I never kept up with it once it hit Comedy Central. I yeah, started I was, watching it, but I, I fell asleep and my alarm didn't go off. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> wait, what? What? <laughs> now, the, ever since they put it up on Netflix, I just said, I'll put it on when there's nothing else to watch oh, yeah. and when I just need some cool background uh, sound. So I've made it up through season six now, and season six was all the ones that were essentially the direct-to-video movies they were doing. Okay. So after they had dropped it off of uh, Fox, but before it gotten picked up by <laughs> Comedy Central, they released these direct-to-video ones like uh, Bender's Big Score, The Beast with a Billion Backs, Bender's Game. I've seen that one. <laughs> I've seen the Billion Backs. That's and they're all pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think the format works great for you know a whole ninety-minute feature. Mm. That it, it goes through, there's not like a whole coherent plot in a lot of them. Billion Backs is one of the most coherent, but it really just feels like a, a series of smaller episodes uh. that have been stitched together. But I still have fun with them because it's, it, to me, it's a really great show. It's got a lot of intelligent humor to it, a lot of really fucking stupid humor. Mm-hmm. And it actually has a lot of really big, emotionally poignant scenes. I dare anybody who's a dog lover to not uh, almost <laughs> shed a tear during that episode where it shows Fry's dog. I um I I can't decide still if I find uh, the Cyclops lady hotter or actual Peg- Peggy Bundy in real life. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure out if I like intelligent humor or stupid humor. 
I like them both mixed together at the same both, time. Yeah. Like, how about like intelli- intelligent humor and then somebody just farts? <laughs> it's it's going to be hilarious every time. I don't know. What if, if I'm going to go with uh, uh, most bonable Katie Seagal performances, I'm going to have to go with uh, Sons of Anarchy because she's got that she's whole Mike Renault thing going on. She's, really uh, she's rough. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like her? You don't, you're, uh, you're not a fan, though? Huh? Not a fan of uh, um, Katie Seagal? I don't. Yeah, I, <laughs> How about Sans, Sons of Anarchy era? I have watched Sans, Sons of Anarchy. Sins yeah, I watched of... the first few seasons. Um, I think she she just looks like somebody that I would pick up uh, at a bar. <laughs> exactly. And fuck, and you know that's just so You're, it's kind of old. <laughs> it, I mean, you know, it's not you don't do it because you do it because they're kind of like like the big scar. There's something weird that it's it's a turn on because they're kind of gross or something or odd. It's like you're fucking an oddity, an old woman or whatever. I wonder how old she is. She's probably your age, dude. <laughs> Bullshit. I'll look it up. I don't Go ahead. know about that. All right, Gore, continue. Okay, uh, so as of those <laughs> up on Netflix, they have the documentary For the Love of Movies, The Story of American Film Criticism. And while I don't consider myself a film critic, it still has a little bit kind of sort of relating to what we do here. Yeah. But it's basically following the, the whole history of American film criticism going back to the early uh, – 20th century where the, these guys were just coming in not really knowing what to do with this emerging film industry and then it kind of highlights some of the big personalities that came through and then all ends up with the doom and gloom of the internet era Yay. all this print guy saying eh, anybody can do a review nah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a whole new industry that comes up and the first thing that somebody thinks is how can I just fucking knock the shit out of this yep <laughs> And it's one of those things that, yeah, Plot the holes. majority of the people doing this for fun are not on the same kind of professional caliber. But in my own case, fuck it. I know I'm not as good as those guys. I don't aspire to be as good as, good as those guys. You but I'm having fun. Good. You're, you're you good, man. Don't you're as good. put yourself down. Seagal's 59, Tom. See, I'm not 59. I'm not even goddamn 50. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. She's I'm just saying. <laughs> she's, not, she's, she's not like elderly. But yeah, you know she, what? Looks good. she looks good for her age, I will say that. Mm-hmm. I do. just wasn't even attracted to her when she was Peg Bundy. She's just something not not uh I don't know what it is. She doesn't even like she doesn't nah, nothing. Well when you had her jail bay daughter right there, I mean Yeah. Jail bay daughter. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was a decent enough doc that was the for the love for the love of movies. It wasn't it wasn't uh, very professionally put together. It didn't look as good as some of the other ones you see up on Netflix, but it was still okay. Uh, then I checked out the Oliver Stone flick Talk Radio. Have you guys seen that before? Yes, Eric Bedrosian. Is that what his name is? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't know. Uh, it was a first time watch for me, and it was <laughs> you one sure of those you that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's, a, that's uh, based yeah. on a true story. Yeah, it was all about uh, oh, what was his name? Berg, I think his yeah, name Alan was. Berg. Alan Berg, back in the eighties, who got shot by one of his crazy fans. Well, yeah. I don't know if the guy was a fan. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> he was the white that one of those uh, crazy white supremacists that were living up there in uh, the uh, great, well, not Northwest, but. Where, where, where fucking uh, whatever it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, it was Colorado. They made they made a an actual uh, I think a, maybe even a couple of movies about uh, 
that whole situation and the the uh, bunch of fanatical weirdo uh, white separatist people and he was a Jewish um, uh, disc jockey and he would challenge these uh, KKK and Nazis and shit to call in and and uh, you know he wouldn't back down. I mean he would uh, basically call them what they were and you know. And apparently some of them, you know, it's kind of like Stern or somebody like that or, where um, when the people call in, you know, you think, eh, whatever. Yeah. But he apparently uh, came across somebody who wasn't just going to call in and argue and decided to um, spray him take, with take some, <laughs> take some action. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much what this flick is. I mean, you got, uh, as you said, it was Eric Bogosian, who's yeah. got one of those faces that I swear I've seen him in a hundred movies. But He was on I, Law and Order, and he was the uh, villain on the second Under Siege on the train. And that's got to be where I know him it's from. Cause I, was look, I was looking through his filmography, and it, nothing was really jumping out at me. Yeah. I mean, other than Blade Trinity. He took on Seagal. Yes, he did take you on Seagal. You fucking up in your fingers back and fuck <laughs> you in the ass. <laughs> that's what I wonder with some of these women that Seagal got with like if if you know when they like no means no if he would just like bend their fingers back and then fucking break their arms yeah I, I, I don't want to think about Steven Seagal's sex life it's just well especially now that he's really big yeah and then he didn't he have some like uh, living slaves with him at one time yeah but they dropped that case okay so. You know that was a big thing, but then it was dropped. So I'm sure he paid him off. But um, whatever. Hey, even myself, you know, like now that my you know stomach dis- has decided to just kind of get bigger, ah, it's just, like it's just gross to even think about sex. Even when I jack <laughs> off, I'm just like, ugh, it's gross. Let's get it over. Well, with speaking of sleep. sex, Ellen Green was in this talk radio movie, and she's actually pretty cute in it. Mm-hmm. I only know I her from Little Shop of Horrors, so it's. I think it was based on a, like a stage play, because yeah, it was Bogosian. He had written this written the stage play. Yeah, it's just him basically talking on the radio and and uh, the people calling in, and then the uh, you you get some interaction with uh, Alec Baldwin's in that, isn't he? He's like the yep. pro- the program manager or something. Yes, he is, and uh, uh, John C. McGinley's in this too. Mm-hmm. But the one that really surprised me is uh, Michael Wincott. Uh, you know him, right? I have to see his picture. He played the bad guy in The Crow. He was in Alien Resurrection. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He oh, was that guy. <laughs> Alan Rickman's uh, cousin in Prince of Thieves. I recognize his voice because he does a couple of the call-ins, but then he shows up into it because he plays like three different characters in this. Two of them yeah. are audio only. But when he shows up in this, he's just this burned-out rocker Crazy guy. druggy guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I post a picture up on the on Facebook, and it's just, holy shit, that's Michael Wincott. Yeah. See, that's what, you know, I worry about doing this fucking turd is that, you know, somebody's going to show up on my porch or something. It's going to come and kill you. I had somebody show up on. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, so I'm not going to go into the whole long story because I've but I actually have since Facebook uh, started up and um, social media, I had a. um uh, a girl from high school who uh, was a majorette who I was just fucking in love with and I started talking to her and she was telling me about getting a divorce and 
finally meeting a nice guy, and they got married, and he treats her and her daughter great and everything. And uh, one day she just decided to take off work, and, and uh, I'm sure without her husband's knowledge, and show up on my porch. And I was inside the house sleeping, <laughs> and my neighbor said she sat out there for like six hours. Was she wearing and I had probably uniform? 30 voicemails on my phone. Was, wow. she, was she wearing her, her uh, major? I don't uniform? know what the fuck she was wearing because I did not. I, it's, it fucking was odd. And when I finally got up and I, she left a note that said she was going to go get something to eat and she would be back. And uh, so I kind of hid because I thought, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, this girl at work said, um, oh, you know, if she would have been, if she would have still been hot. I said, if she would have still been hot, I would have fucking opened the door and I would have fucked her. But she was not hot. <laughs> oh, come on, Zom. She sounds like a nice lady. She'd probably make you a nice boiled rabbit dinner, you know? Oh, my God. It's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing about when you, you'll you'll learn this when you start getting older that there are people that you um, might have thought were the goddamn best looking thing in the world that wouldn't have anything to do with you in high school, and then once once they pumped out four kids, weigh about <laughs> two hundred, uh, right around I don't know if she weighed two hundred pounds, but uh, she was not you know whatever, and um, they will suddenly realize that. Oh my God, I didn't know you liked me. Oh my God. And I was like, go away. You are not, unless you want to, uh, I don't know, just fuck it. But you know. The advantage I have is because I graduated from military high school, we all scattered all over the country. So I don't live within 300 miles of anybody I graduated high school with. Have some dude show up on your porch and hit with a, like a Rambo <laughs> knife and he'll be like, I had no idea. But you know what? It's, it's a, it's just an odd thing. The, the whole, uh, uh, internet thing because we do I mean at say like Horror Hound I have people that I talk to almost every day and they'll be like show up at Horror Hound and I have no idea who they are mm-hmm. and I, I just want to say you know you ought to take your little uh, avatar picture and put it on your shirt because and, <laughs> and until um, somebody comes up and says hey oh they'll, they'll know who I am Mm-hmm. And they'll come up and start talking to me, and I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and uh, I had a couple of people like that. And then when they told me, I was like, oh, my God, shit. Didn't you? you know? <laughs> well, except you you did the same thing to me, man, because when you met up at Horror Hound, I, I, knew, I knew you but didn't totally know you. And then you give me a hug and you pick me up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a big guy. I'm not used to being picked up. <laughs> I dominated you. This is true. <laughs> Justin was watching it's, it's and crying, you know, it was, it was bad. Not, not in front of the kids, to. though. Not in front of the kids. Yeah, I actually had a, a shirt made up, and, and uh, on the back, the, I don't know if that was... It, I had the shirt made up before we started on Stolen Gold, so the shirt just said, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema on the back, mm-hmm. covered the whole back, and then the front hat, it said Dr. Zom on it, with a, a little, with a picture of Henry Silva and uh, Woody Strode from um, Italian Connection, I think, on the front. So that was a little bit easier. But it, it's just odd. And, and then another thing that's odd is, speaking of talk radio and you know somebody killing somebody or something like that, is there are times when you think to yourself, I don't know. I, I mean, I talk to this person, but you know, I don't know them. <laughs> they could be a goddamn <laughs> fucking you know, unbalanced whatever. I could be unbalanced. Loaf is unbalanced. A little bit, a little bit. Not really. You're very... You have a look, but you're you're more 
I'm know. more I'm more dude like with my, yeah. with with how I approach things for the most part. Now when we slept together, that was odd. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I only picked you up, El Goro. I slept in the same bed with <laughs> uh, Loaf, and I and I did not even we had just met. Well, you had a half chub both times, so I don't know. Oh God, I, ch- I was I was just glad Metal Mikey didn't jump in between us. <laughs> he could have fit easily too. He could have. While we were watching David cover a uh, David cover David Coverdale, we were watching fucking like uh, top fifty hair metal songs or something. Oh God, it was pretty incredible. Anyway, let's continue. Let's and continue. then Night Ranger came on, and the night got magical. <laughs> 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 All right, so the other things I watched were a couple of YouTube things that Dr. Zom sent my way. Yeah. Uh, the biggest one that I enjoyed the most was the fl- fascist plot to overthrow FDR. That was some cool shit. That's that some song? unknown shit that, you know, yeah. they don't like put that in the history books kind of a deal. I wonder why. Zom, you want to give a brief explanation as to what that's about? Well, apparently, uh, the, you know, FDR has a sound clip which is, or that they play a lot, uh, which is, uh, you know, um, they hate me and I welcome their hatred. Because even though he was from a rich family, uh, he was uh, legislating and doing things against, say, like, big banks and corporations, like uh, safety regulations and things like that, and they really fucking did hate his guts and um and then of course you know uh it's if you've seen the movie executive action which is a kennedy kind of a thing um they uh burt lancaster robert ryan uh will gear and these rich industrialists uh kind of get together and say hey this fucking kennedy is you know gotta go he's uh hurting our interests business interests and Cuba and here and there and blah 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 and uh, so this supposedly uh, you know uh, happened where uh, these industrialists um, got together with uh, this general Schmedley Butler Smedley mm-hmm. Butler Smedley Butler yeah they decided that uh, he was going to uh, they were going to have a coup d'état against FDR and take all these veterans from World War One and. Uh, create a, a an army and go and uh you know either kill or depose FDR and take over the government put Smedley Butler in charge and he was like the most decorated soldier from World War 1 plus um he kind of had an epiphany i guess that uh, cuz in the book the book that he wrote he basically said i was a a killer and a, uh, a gangster and a strong arm person for the U S government, uh, as a general, when we went to all these different countries in South America and took over coup d'etats, blah, 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 and all the dirty shit that our country has done. And, um, so they assumed, you know, that he would go along with the plan and he was kind of like, fuck that shit. You know, <laughs> I believe in America and he kind of exposed it, and then they said, well, uh, that's just joshing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was definitely one of the takeaways I had from the documentary is just how much of a badass Smedley Butler yeah. was. I mean, he was just this straight-talking Marine that, yeah, he had his disagreements with the government, but he's right. like, you want me to overthrow them? Fuck you. Well, it and- seems like, you know, when you see all the different times, whether it was in... Iran had a democratically elected 
government, and we went in and took it over uh, uh, back to coup, put uh, the Shaw in, who was a total piece of shit, uh, mm-hmm. torturer, murderer, blah, 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 because he would go with our interests. Nicaragua, El Salvador, Chile, uh, tried it in Cuba so many times. Well, actually, kind of Vietnam, you know, they whatever. Oh, yeah. uh, there was a lot of things like that where we went in and did shit where we say we're for democracy and freedom, but only if that democracy is or freedom uh, goes our way. And then if it doesn't, then we believe in dictators and uh, murder and whatever. So that's the one thing about the, the Kennedy thing is a lot of people say, ah, you know, I don't think that. But then you look at all the times that it's happened for. And then you look at the Smedley Butler thing, which is kind of a precursor. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I, I might, something like that might have happened. I don't know. But who knows? Yeah. And who the, knows? And just the fallout of it, the fact that he came forward with all these names and he basically handed the government a case to yeah. go after these people. And they didn't. They chose well, not to. It's, I think it's kind of uh, one of those deals where you have to uh, – Go along to get along, and they probably said, "Listen, you know, you guys need to shut the fuck up. Just, you mm-hmm. know, we'll take care of you. You take care of us." Blah 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 blah. It's kind of like how you know the cancer man just disappeared, but I don't <laughs> go into that. You know, <laughs> he's in my closet somewhere. <laughs> Is his vagina in there too? Well, he's in a closet no, somewhere. <laughs> maybe not be mine. Oh, no, I'm, uh, I'm just looking at Smedley Butler, and I'm looking at the wars he was involved in. Yeah. His years of service was 1898 to 1931. The wars he fought in were the Spanish-American War, <laughs> the Philippine-American War, the Boxer Rebellion over in China, yeah. the Banana Wars, the Mexican Revolution, and World War One. Yeah, I can see where he and, – and, and a lot of that stuff was um, – you know, some- and, and some people will even say World War One and even World War Two and just about every war is based on greed and who's going to get what and you know they they may start out as uh, you know philosophical uh, differences where we're going to come in and bring freedom and freedom for the workers or freedom for this or freedom for that but when it all boils down the people that get power like in the wild geese movies and the mercenary movies in the Congo. The the one thing the guy said, you know, Richard Harris said is, I'm tired of going in and, you know, fighting for freedom. And then as soon as the person gets in power, they steal the treasury. And, you know, so. Yeah. The world is, uh, in some ways, it's, it's, it's complicated. But in some ways, it's not as complicated as what you think. Because uh, money, power, and greed usually win out, win the day. Yeah, you don't have to prescribe to a huge <laughs> conspiracy theory. You just got to realize people are going to do what they do in order to uh, get their most money. Yeah, that's what, that's why we do this show to get all the money. Killer. We go and we money. spam other websites and you know <laughs> try and get as much. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Cialis uh, ads as possible. Cialis ads. You know what? I'm. Th- I might get some Cialis and just try it while we're on the show sometime. <laughs> But I mean, some of our shows do go three to four hours. So I mean, I might have to go to the doctor afterwards. No, I just find more women. That's the one thing I always thought. But then you know, I actually heard somebody uh, talk about uh, when uh, priatism. You know, everybody laughs about the if you have an erection that lasts for more than four hours, immediately see the doctor. And the thing that I saw, they said, you know, um, it will when that happens, it hurts so bad. 
that you can't hardly stand it. And if you don't go to the doctor and have that pressure relieved, your dick will split like a hot dog in a microwave. And once, and once it does that, once it ruptures, there's nothing they can do. You're done. I mean, they can sew it up and everything, but you'll never get a goddamn chubba chub chubby. Wow. I used to love cooking my hot dogs in the microwave. That's yeah, I kind of liked when they split open. Yeah, like, I, yeah, it was reminds, reminds me of my grandma's house. I would microwave pretend that hot I was dogs. With some dude that you know took Cialis. I just love the fact that the the medical term for you know an erection that don't go away is priapism, yeah. and it comes from a Greek god Priapus, who was always depicted with having a major boner. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Seriously, go look statues. up Priapus sometimes, and it's, the, all the statues just hit him with a gigantic dong, bigger than the body. Nice. Yeah. Good for him. There you go. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Well, speaking of gigantic dongs, the last thing I watched was uh, World's <laughs> Strongest Man, 30 Years of Pain, which was just basically a, a rundown of the last 30 years of the World's Strongest Man competition. I've always been kind of a fan of that. It comes a lot from my stepfather, who comes from a family of bodybuilders and weightlifters. And we used to watch the World's Strongest Man events. So a lot of the names they were going and talking about were names that were familiar to me. Guys like Bill Kazmaier, Phil Fister, who has to have the greatest name for a guy yeah. ever. Uh, Mag- Jeff Case. Magnus Vermagnuson is the guy I always remember the name That's of. I remember I got, you know, when it first started, it was on network TV on like Sports World. Mm -hmm. And that's when Ken Patera was on there. And uh, then I think superstar Billy Graham was on one year. And being a big wrestling fan, them having a wrestler uh, was, it was like, oh my God, there's Ken Patera. And that's when he had the giant, bushy white afro. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I mean, he really, I mean, all the guys, you wouldn't be in it if you weren't. have that you know that actual physical strength i mean sure even if you're i think for some reason i'm thinking like somebody like jerry blackwell crusher blackwell was in it and he was like 400 pounds and you know probably anytime you're that big and he was pretty athletic as a wrestler he could do drop kicks and even though he was like five foot uh probably eight and 400 pounds but uh franco colombo was on there one time and he was carrying a refrigerator and mm-hmm. his that's a that's a movie reference because he was in some Schwarzenegger movies, including Conan. And he sure. was carrying a refrigerator, and his knee went out, and he basically got a compound fracture of the knee. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of guys like that, but I got out of it because I it wasn't really on network TV for a long time, and then ESPN picked it up. What uh, I don't know, maybe like ten years ago, and started showing it, and that was the Magnus Ver Magnuson era. Yeah. But I always thought it was weird because here in I would say in the last uh, maybe five to maybe eight years or something like that, they were having it in West Virginia, in like Charleston at the airport. They'd pull airplanes and and you know this is West Virginia. We don't get shit like that. But I think <laughs> the one guy, maybe one of the guys that was one of the main guys, was from here. So okay. maybe he had a connection. Sweet. Yeah. So and yeah, superstar, was, it, Billy, superstar Billy Graham said he actually had a, a thought <clears> since he was going to be on national TV. He said before he was almost completely broke, and before <laughs> he did the competition, he sold almost everything him and his wife had so he could buy as many as much steroids as he could possibly get, oh, so God. he could get up over three hundred pounds <laughs> of muscle. And he was lifting this log where they do the kind of clean and jerk with the log. Yeah, and he said he was trying to figure out a way. <clears throat> To blade himself <laughs> when he pushed the log up and then pretend like he dropped the log 
and the log hits like feign that the log hits him in the face on the way down and then sell it so he could get like more airtime on TV. But he said, I just started thinking if, if I accidentally dropped the blade or if, if they caught it on camera that they would, you know, immediately kick me off and I'd never be on TV again. And <laughs> poor, superstar. Poor, poor superstar. Former to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it was it was a fun little documentary just on that level. I mean, it wasn't it was done mm-hmm. by the people who do the World's Strongest Man competition, so it wasn't as in depth as it probably could have been. It just looked like a little promo thing that they would have put on oh. before one of the events. But it was it was still a fun little forty minutes of it. And again, these were guys that these were names that I knew growing up. Yeah, names that I would hear my uncles talk about. Uh, guys that I'd seen in old tapes because it goes back into the eighties and talking about a lot of the, some of these guys. But uh, it, it was fun. I wonder if um, Metal Mikey ever, you know, would did they show any of his clips? When he was doing <laughs> his thing. I mean, the thing about him is, you know, once he got off the gas, he it, it was <laughs> noticeable. I don't know. Oh, Zom, Zom, what have you have? What have you been watching this long week? Okay. We've been off. Um. Oh, the long week. Well, you know, I did read some comic books. Nice, nice. Uh, I got an all X, all new X Men, which was that's been a, a a pretty good book for me lately. Even though people make fun of old Bendis when he was in Avengers, I mean, toward the end he kind of got repetitive, but he took that over. And this issue wasn't that great. Um, it seemed like it, I don't know if I'd say it's a filler issue, but it was it was just okay. Uh, I got an Avengers Assemble. Uh, it's going along with this whole uh, uh, thing where uh, Thanos of Titan ha- is attacking the Earth. So Black Bolt releases the Terrigen Mist on Earth. So there's all these um, uh, people that had inhuman abilities, but they were dormant and they didn't even know it. And so then, like, you might have a school teacher or something that you've known all your life, and all of a sudden, they just, this Terrigen Mist is put forth across the earth and they'll be in a fucking uh, cocoon and then they come out and they have inhuman powers uh which is kind of weird because they don't know how to control them and some of them some of the people go a little bit crazy um eh, what do we got here um the, the infinity bullshit is the uh, big crossover with Thanos, and they're doing that probably because in the next uh, Avengers, they're I think you know at the end. God damn, um, I'm watching something I shouldn't be, but I am. Uh, <laughs> we won't tell anybody about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Super Avengers, Fantastic Four, The Superior Spider-Man is my, probably my favorite book now. Um, they actually have. Because Marvel are such whores, uh, for and you know their marketing scheme is if something works, well, if you have one book that's really good, let's put out um, six of the same character, uh, and just so everybody. <laughs> so they had Superior Spider-Man, and the whole concept between that is uh, I won't go too far into it, but Peter Parker Spider-Man is fighting Doctor Octopus. Something happens, and. Dr. Octopus ends up in Spider-Man's body, his psyche, his consciousness. But what happens is he has all of Peter Parker's memories and of being a hero and being a good person. So he decides he's going to be uh, a superior Spider-Man, superior to Peter Parker, and he's going to uh, only do good things. Which is kind of – it sounds stupid, and some people say, are they still doing that stupid 
Doctor Octopus thing, Superior Spider-Man. It's fucking entertaining as hell, and it's good because that that different perspective. But they spun off a Superior Spider-Man um, team up, which is it's been it's pretty funny because he he because uh, Doctor Octopus, even though he is an evil mastermind, he's working for good. So he kidnaps, um, I think the Sinister Six or one of the teams that he was on. And he has figured out a way to use uh, science so that he he can mind control them. So when they go out to fight villains, uh, they are like, what the fuck am I doing, you know? And, and they can't figure out why they're fighting for good. And then when he's done, he puts them in these uh, tubes and they're all cussing him out the whole time in the laboratory. Like, you son of a bitch, we're going to get you. And then he makes them like jack off in their own mouths and stuff. <laughs> Um, I take that really... shocker! Yeah, take that shocker! <laughs> Let's see. Um, I have I watched a wrestling wise a shoot interview with this guy Duke Myers, uh, and I never saw him. I think I saw him on some Jerry Lawler uh, Memphis stuff where he wore this big rubber mask, like a Tor Johnson mask, and he was called the Colossus. And, uh, you know, you talk about these Lucha Libre masks. Well, I know some wrestlers that I've read books about, like uh, The Assassin and some and Mass Superstar would even say something like this, that when you first put the mask on, it's it's weird because, you know, you have nose a nose hole and mouth hole and everything. But they said some people get really claustrophobic mm-hmm. and it's hard to breathe. Uh, you have to get used to it. And I think the older masks weren't made they were probably made from like more of a wool like material and not cuz they didn't have like lycra that's breathable and everything and um he would have he would Lawler came up with this idea of having him wear this big rubber mask like a halloween mask that covered your whole head now he's out there <laughs> wrestling for probably 30 minutes and you know how those things make you sweat and he said, I had these two little pinholes for a nose, this wee little hole for a mouth, and these tiny little holes for eyes so you can't see it or anything. But um, he's pretty good because he um, – it was one of those ones like uh, the Don Fargo one that Scott Teal did that um, is very extensive. He was in prison uh, went early in his life and uh, just talked about that a lot. Uh, hung out – him and his mom got drunk with Andre the Giant, and Andre the Giant was feeding his mom beers. Just all kinds of stuff like that. Lots of stories about <laughs> Stu Hart, uh, you know, picking up cat shit while he was cooking eggs. You know, a cat would shit on the countertop, and he would just use the spatula and flip the cat shit into the trash can. <laughs> like flipping eggs. Uh, <laughs> And then I watched some of the uh, Ole Anderson deal, and I was telling Loaf that uh, Ole seemed to uh, – he's a, uh, Bill Watts was kind of the same way where he would say, I'm not racist because, you know, Ernie Ladd was one of my I, – I, you know, I had him book my territory at one time, and he was one of – and Junkyard Dog was oh, my Junkyard top Dog, uh, yeah. guy. But then he would use the N-word, like freewheeling use the N-word and – and Ole seems like he's kind of like that. He says, "Well, I'm not racist, but you know, you son of a bitch and you know, n word, this and that." And it's kind of like, dude, no, you you kind of are. You 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 can say, well, you know, about well, I'm I'm just not PC or whatever. And maybe you aren't. I know I have friends like that. I mean, you know, that will claim that they're not racist. I have relatives like that. Now, I'm not racist, but I just don't think it's right to for a blacks and whites to date. 
I'm like, you know what? What you <laughs> just said? Fucking that's fucking racist. That's fucking racist. Um, so that's anyway. What, anytime anybody says, I'm not racist, but, yeah. you know the next thing they're going to say is really racist. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, short week, uh, sort of. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. But that's <laughs> Very short. Um, <clears throat> I, I only watched a couple things, too. Um, I watched... Um, I watched well, and this is one I just forgot to mention on last episode. Um, I watched the new uh, Van Damme movie, uh, "Enemies Closer." Um, this is, I guess, it's starring him. It's really starring this dude, Tom Everett Scott, and um, uh, Orlando Jones. Who I don't know why I know Orlando Jones. I have no idea what I've seen him in before. What was he a wrestler? I don't think so. Sounds like a wrestler. Orlando I, Jones. That really sounds familiar. I thought he was like a comedian or something. Oh, Orlando oh, Jones yeah, was yeah, in yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the fucking, uh, what's it called, Evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, was he, he? Play, well, he's a heavy in this. He's not yeah, funny he at all. Huh. Um, I don't, I'm not, but anyway, this is a, well, it's directed by Peter Hyams, Dad Hyams. That's um, uh, the one, uh, Dragon Eyes that. I think Van Dam did uh, with the guy that was the MMA MMA MMA. That he was um, <laughs> that Peter Hyams is the Hyams that did uh, what did I watch the other night. Fuck a duck! God damn it! Anyway, just apparently Peter it, Hyams also directed Time Cop and Sudden Death. Yeah, yeah. Well, well he did uh, Universal Soldier Regeneration. No, that's huh? his, his son did that. His, his son, son did, did that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he well, was, but he was the cinematographer on those. Yeah, the yeah. last Van Damme movie with the MMA guy that fought Sha- Frank Shamrock. He was. The, they put it up as a Van Damme movie. But that guy was basically the main guy, and Van. Maybe it's because he's getting older. He was kind of just a. He well, was well, a pivotal character. He's a he pivotal was, character, and he does a lot of he does a lot of actiony stuff in this. Um, he's the heavy, which he's the bad guy. It's funny. It's, Van Damme is the bad guy. Yeah, I like him being the I bad just, guy. He has this ridiculous like clown hair in it. Um, it's this big that. curly thing, and he um, when the when you first see him in the movie, he's dressed in a Mountie uniform. And he's wearing these canvas shoes, and everybody he he goes into this like NSA office, and they're all laughing at him. He's like, but he has to you know tell them why he's wearing the shoes because he's vegan, he's militant vegan, and uh, <laughs> he, he, holy, holy shit, Tom Everett Scott was the lead in American Werewolf in Paris. Ugh, he's he's pretty oh, shit. he is pretty bland. Um, he plays uh, he plays like this park ranger. Basically, this it's like three. Parties all meeting at this one place where a plane has crashed with a bunch of drugs on it, and Van Damme's leading the group that's there to recover the drugs. Uh, uh, Tom Everett Scott is the park ranger of this place where the plane crashed, and Orlando Jones, I won't spoil anything, but he's there basically pissed at Tom Everett Scott's character. And um, Does he play the black guy? He plays the black guy. Was that racist? Anyway. Um. Oh, and apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme's uh, kid is in that movie. The chick? No, the dude. Oh, Chris- fuck that. Her, Christopher, that uh, Christopher Van Varenberg. He played Francois. And his daughter's a babe. I don't know who the hell he is in that either. Oh, it's his kid, though. 
Um, get, getting the kids into the biz. There you go. It's not very good, but it's worth seeing for Van Damme because he's he's kooky in it, like big time. <laughs> that um, sounds awesome. Kooky in real life. Hey, you know something? When you were talking about Van Damme's curly hair, you know how we, you know, you, uh, Loaf and I talk about our our fathers uh, and the the great role models that they have been growing up. Um, mm-hmm. My dad, and you know, a lot of our fans have heard me talk about my dad and everything, and uh, but it's funny because my dad's like probably like 6'4", and at one time, maybe like 250 or something, big guy. And uh, But I will say this, to, and if my dad ever listens to this, um, of all the faults that I ever had or that you perceived that I had, I never once sat on either the toilet or the edge of the bathtub with little pink curlers in my hair while <laughs> our, my mother, your wife, uh, gave me a perm. And I can't, you know, I was reading J.J. Dillon's book, and he actually, I when I talked to him at the Fan Fest thing, I said something about seeing him one time when he had dark hair and a perm, and he just rolled his eyes like, uh. And in the book, there's like one line, and he goes, and then... He's talking about I wrestled, I managed and wrestled in Florida, and then I went up to the Maritimes in Canada. And for some reason, and don't ask me why, this was just like one sentence, uh, one, one sentence paragraph. For some reason, and don't ask me why, I decided to get a perm. Wow. <laughs> I hope that never comes back. I, 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 I'm at least proud to say that both my uh, father and my stepfather, they never went through the whole curled hair or mullet phases, so... Well, it won't. It won't even be that big of a deal. It, w- it wouldn't even work now for me because most of my hair is going south for the winter. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm right there too. The permanent winter. It seems to be falling down along, uh, uh, amongst my balls and dick, <laughs> uh, and sticking there. See, if I try to grow my hair long, I have no choice but to grow a mullet. Nice. Or yes. a Hulk Hogan skullet. <laughs> I still good thing. I still I still have a good head of hair. I'm doing I'm yeah, doing all right. Do. So far. you're a fucking see. That's another thing when you go to horror hound. I'm like, god damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, it's still not Vishnu's hair though. Young whippersnappers, Vishnu's hair. I I would like. To, I mean, honest to God, if I had to make a wig, like you know, when they say they make wigs out of real hair, people that make wigs should like fucking pay him for his hair. It's it's pretty it's pretty it's lo- luscious, so man. Silky oh, smooth curls, that guy. Black has. and silky, Jesus Christ! Um, the only other movie I watched was The Champions of Justice, uh, another lucha libre movie. This I want to have on DVD. Um, this uh, this does not star Santo. It stars Blue Demon and Mil Mascaras. Uh, in this is <laughs> Mil Mascaras from forty years prior to the movie we watched, <laughs> and um, this is from seventy one. Um, it has uh, that's El funny. That's how old uh, Mil Mascaras was in uh, <laughs> Resurrection. <laughs> El Medico Asesino, who did his best to look like El Santo at all times, apparently, except when yeah. he would wear his scrubs. Um, Black Shadow, and uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this one guy's name. I'd seen I've seen his mask, but I've never seen him wrestle before. It's uh, Tineblas El Gigante. He wore a mask. That was like you didn't see his eyes or face or anything. It was like this black, like almost like V shape over his whole face. Um, the mask was yellow, but it had this black, like or almost almost like um, a heart, almost like it went up, you know, over his eyes. It was a mesh, I guess. Um, it did not look like a fun mask to wear, though. 
This movie's pretty ridiculous. There's three of them that I haven't seen the second two. Um, there's a mad scientist that is has a uh, uh, he's concocted a plan to kidnap all of the contestants of the Miss Mexico pageant, and he's going to freeze them for some reason to keep them for long storage. I want to move to Mexico so bad, you know, if that's the way like life is down there. And he's awesome. got this like army of uh, of midget wrestlers that have masks that um, he can put in this big bell shaped device and give them the strength of ten athletes. <laughs> ten and, <midgets. laughs> and so they always just go and just like either shoot machine guns or attack the champions of justice, who are the mask wrestlers, who are also the judges of Miss Mexico. And, At one uh, time, does do like ten of the midgets form together into one giant guy? God, like be, they didn't. Ha- they didn't have the budget for that. They had, they barely had the budget to add fire to the uh, to the mad science lab. So you wouldn't um, take much. You just get some guys to you know stack each other up, and then you do a quick cut with some flashing lights, and then boom, you got a, a big well, guy. They, they didn't. They didn't need it though, because the midgets were actually like one midget could kick the blue demon's ass, and then the, there, but then there was four of them. They were just like totally wiping them out. But the, uh, their powers would always wear out right in the middle of the fight, so they'd have to. Mm-hmm. Run away. Anyway, <laughs> it's a pretty ridiculous. Man, movie. that would be frustrating as shit. <laughs> These midgets just keep showing up and kicking our ass and running <laughs> away. Ass, and then when you start making your comeback, they fucking take. They off. just run away. It's like true suckers. wrestling that is deals. Like around. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all I watch too. So, um, <clears throat> do we have a preference what movie we do first? Why don't we do? In, well, why don't we go in chronological order? We'll save some uh, Mill Mascaras for a second. Um, let's take a break and re- uh, we'll come back and review. Um, Santo contra las mujeres vampiro. We'll be right back. See. <laughs> All right, man. We really got to record a promo for this thing. Should we write a script for this? Nah, fuck it, man. We'll do it live. Yeah, fuck hey, that folks. Guy. This is El Goro, and this is the Cancer Man, and we are the hosts of Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the worm. That really doesn't explain what we do. Well, we watch two movies a week, we review them, we bullshit, and sometimes we say something funny. Yeah, but most of the time we just piss people off. Well, the American film viewing public can't handle most of what we have to say. But if you think you can, you can find us on iTunes if you do a search for Talk Without Rhythm. You could also find us on our website, tworpodcast.blogspot.com, baby. Deuces. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> It's the official's adventures of love. I caught Spider-Man jerking up in a boat. So I wonder woman comic, then that bionic. Bitch, fuck the Hulk, a.k.a. Bruce Banner. Did I say Santa? No, it's the Green Lantern. That a whole big pro fuck their shit. Yeah, we don't have to let it play. Hey, if you, uh... <laughs> oh, man, I have just you re- the cardboard out. Have you redone your uh, promo yet? For the little change in format? To, <laughs> mm. uh, All right, our first movie of the day <laughs> uh, is... Uh, what did I say we were going to do? Oh, Santo versus the Vampire Women. Santo contra las mujeres vampiro. Yeah. Un profesor. I don't know this in whole Spanish. Um, a, prof- a professor recruits a professional wrestler to protect his daughter from vampires intended intent 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 on kidnapping her and marrying her to the devil yeah the devil that pretty much sums it up or agosto agosto lord of darkness because they're not and, allowed to say satan i guess and 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 oddly the uh the guy that plays diana's dad his real name is agosto uh-huh see what they did there maybe i don't know um, so as I was saying earlier, this is a, um, a, 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 a film 
that uh, if anything is a a very good example of what this particular this very very particular genre of film um, had to offer. It was kind of like it, it, it's a bizarre mixture because maybe maybe you could find something like this in a country like Japan or something, but it's to have a, a have a a wide widely released film starring a professional wrestler who is super smart and um fights gothic horror monsters and shot in that way is i mean it's it's unusual it's amazing and just the fact that when he shows up you know mask and cape and bare chest <laughs> nobody blinks you know everybody just it accepts is, it's, it. it's like oh fuck it it's, it's santo <laughs> completely normal now the first masked wrestler movie and santo may have stolen his gimmick from this guy but it's basically just called um the the mask of silver um and it was it was not el santo or whatever i don't it, it's santo uh, his name was out there but um it was just a basically a serial released in the 50s called uh, el enmascarado de plata and if I actually remember that correctly, they had offered it uh, Santo the, the starring role, but he wasn't sure if he wanted to do movies, so they basically <laughs> just ripped him off. Right, and, and so and and then I think maybe it had some success, and and um, well, he later, you know, fifty movies later, yeah. <laughs> um, he gets he gets a a national day of mourning when he passes away. Yeah, this days. fucker is like, um, you know how some people might say, well, you know. Like Santo was like Hulk Hogan was in the eighties. I mean, he was bigger than that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. man, and and continues to be. I mean, yeah. there are certain places you can go in Mexico where you will find him on murals next to Jesus. Yeah, you know he is <laughs> when when they talk about him being a folk hero, he legitimately was. I don't think there is a a wrestler out there that was as big as Santo was for Mexico. Yeah, yeah so when you look at how their their impact on their country. Uh, and you look at all the wrestlers all over the fucking world, uh, you know, especially America and Japan, where you know professional wrestling is the biggest. America, Japan, and Mexico. I would say that Santo might fucking be number one over everybody, as the impact that he has had on his country, his legend, uh, because those people believe this, you know, in Santo. Yeah, yeah, and that's I why mean, you could have movies like this because he was such a huge cultural thing. I mean, we'll laugh about it, but to them, I'm sure there was a little bit of humor, and I'm sure not everybody was on board with the whole enmascarado thing. But there was plenty of people that just took it uh, seriously. It was just a cultural identity thing for quite a few uh, Mexicans out there. Well, and and you know, you look at the whole lucha libre tradition, and I mean, those fuckers down there. And even the ones that came up here, uh, you know, they wore their ma- Mil Moscaris or whoever would shower in his mask. Uh, a lot of the guys that worked with him didn't even know what they what what he looked like. He would eat with his mask on, and that even transitioned into a lot of the um, American wrestlers that wore masks. It was just you know it was their gimmick, and yeah, they, and, and it, they, it, that when you listen to Conan's um, podcast, he, he talks about how. Uh, what a slap in the face it was in WCW when Eric Bischoff started making them all take their masks off because it was mm-hmm. just sacrilegious almost, you know. Well, he and just didn't some... understand it. Yeah. yeah. 
there, there's there's some wrestlers that uh, finished their entire careers. A lot of well, Osanto, um, he unmasked on a talk show only a few weeks before he uh-huh. died. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know some of these guys we learned their real names, but there's a lot of there were a lot of very successful Mexican professional wrestlers that nobody still knows besides obviously their family or whatever knows their true identity. They're only still known as their wrestler name, which is well. And then when you look at like um, say comic book heroes like Batman or Captain America or something like that, we had that up here. But these guys were. You know, you would see, you'd read the comic book, and you might see a uh, a uh, cheapy cartoon in the '60s or '70s or whatever, or a serial. But these guys were somebody that you could touch, and you could go see them actually perform and everything. And then, you know, they're doing all this stuff, uh, and it's just a cultural thing. I mean, the masks. I think they always said went back to like kind of like the Aztec. Uh, yeah. You though know, that was though that was kind of a later in. I wouldn't necessarily say revision, but I mean, prior to them, it really catching on in the you know early 20th century in Mexico, you had wrestlers in the States who would wear masks. Oh, yeah. You know, that was just their generic jobbers. They would, you know, they could or be like Joe anybody. Marvel or, you yeah. Know, yeah. So when uh, Salvador Lutaroth Gonzalez, who was pretty much like the uh, father of Lucha Libre down in Mexico, he brought that element from America. It's just culturally it caught on a lot more down in mexico and a lot of it did have to do with that cultural tradition back into the aztec days of wearing masks and things like that and also the images of the saints you know that played a huge thing in it santo santo means saint i wonder if like mil moscris he would always wear this one mask when he would eat that it didn't have the chin it was like cut up around his mouth and i wonder if like when he was eating pussy or something like that (laughs) he might have taken the mask off at that point it was just fucking like stink you know there is an amazing in uh in champions of justice he does an amazing on-screen mask change where he simultaneously like he as he's pulling one mask right. off, he sh- loops another one over on, under his chin, and it's pretty well, pretty great to watch. Say he would do in the shower. You know, he would he would shower with that fucking mask on, which only makes sense if you're out there wrestling for a goddamn thirty minutes or something, and you're all sweaty. So you're actually washing the mask at the same time. But he would fucking have a dry one, and he would do that deal where he would be taking the one off and putting one on at the same time. And and there and I remember like Wahoo McDaniel or somebody saying that he was going to go somewhere with, uh, I mean, it might have been like El Santo or somebody, or Mil Moscaris, and and he said, you know, they had just tag-teamed, he had wrestled with him all through the circuit, and they were going to ride together. And he went out to get in his car, and he goes, there's this guy sitting in my car. And he was like, "Uh, excuse me, sir, you know, uh, can I help you? And it was one of those guys, and... You know, he because he had never seen him, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, he's a really yeah. handsome guy." <laughs> and, well, and that's the thing that you know. There's the there's the legend around the guys that never take off their mask, and I'm sure most of them, you know, when they do public appearances, when they, you know, obviously are performing, they're wearing the mask. But I doubt they wear it all the time. I think it would be cool if you did. Yeah, like, that would like be cool. right now, like if in the summertime you're out there mowing your lawn with your mask on, or you know, having a, like make a. a, a Cook some, have a picnic, and go to the park and lay a towel out and have a mask on. And people be like, "What the fuck?" You know? I mean, I never take <laughs> off my mask. I mean, I'm always wearing it. I'm wearing mine too. There you go. The um, and but the uh, well, it's 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 pretty incredible too. The film career he ended up with, you know, saying this was only his this was Santos' fourth 
fourth film, and he was already 46, 45 when he did did this movie. Um, I mean, he was he had to have been in his seventies by the time he was done. Oh yeah, and, and he he wrestled almost fifty years. Uh, yeah. He started wrestling in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, sorry, um, he, he was sixty six when he died. Sixty six. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I guess he wasn't. Maybe he was. Let me see. Nineteen. He was born in nineteen seventeen. So what? He would have been forty. Forty five uh, when he did this. Yeah, forty five. So and he died in the mid eighties. So yeah. Yep. So I'm actually seeing um, this was his sixth film, though a lot of a lot of his early oh, ones, oh. like um, they they get listed now. Like his the first one he's ever was in was uh, Santo versus the Evil Brain from '58, but uh, it actually wasn't called that when it was initially released. It was just uh, Cerebro del Mal, and he was just like <laughs> the dude sidekick. He was like the king, oh. <laughs> and then later on, I think uh, the first one that he started uh, being it was an El Santo movie instead of him being just somebody sidekick was. Uh, 61's Invasion of the Zombies or Santo versus the Zombies. That one I haven't seen. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to all of them soon. Well, yeah, you know what's funny that's, is, actually uh, plan, that's actually my plan for next year because he did 52 movies. There's 52 <laughs> weeks in a year, so I'm every episode next year I'm going to be doing another El Santo movie. Nice. Yeah. They, they made fun of Lawler because he would like uh, uh, wrestle like um, Freddy Krueger or uh, uh, Jason from Friday the Thirteenth, and you know, th- and, and uh, like, because Jerry Lawler loved uh, old, uh, or he loved horror movies. But then you look at this, and these movies were like, you know, somebody <laughs> was in horror movies, fighting a fucking mummy or fighting, a, you know, it just kind of doing the same thing. So, but you know, I, when I'm watching these, when or you know, watching this movie in particular. Um, I don't know. It's like a nostalgia thing because, especially like the the, the gimmicks that they do uh, with uh, the special effects and the black and white, and they're in like the yeah. the uh, yeah the, with all the cobwebs and shit all over the place. It just reminds me of watching like old horror uh, chiller theaters, like back in the early seventies when I was like a little kid, you know. Well, and that's the thing. It looks like a Universal monster movie. Yeah, it has, a, it has an awesome look, really. Me- Mexico had a, has a pretty rich history in the 50s and into the 60s of making some pretty, it, at the very least, attractive yeah. uh, uh, horror films. There's some really good gothic horror that came out of that out of the country, and that this is it, this you know his his film started as a melding of those. Now, what they turned into was pretty silly by the 70s. Well, that's the sure. thing. When I'm watching this, and, you know, of course, we're going to have the inevitable comparison of you have a, this movie, which is one of the older ones, and the one we're going to review next, which is one of the newer ones. And I just, I wouldn't say amazed, but this one just looks so much cooler and better. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, know. I mean, it, one thing that helps is the fact that it's shot on film. On film and, you know, and it's not, set yeah. in black and yeah, white. Yeah. It has that retro feel. <laughs> and... There was just so much good about this movie. Now, this is not typical for a lot of uh, Santo movies. That this is one of the better ones as far as production value goes. Because as you were saying <laughs> there, it did kind of drop off quick. But these were, these were movies that were made very very cheaply. Well, yeah, and this—I mean, you could you could see the budget in this one. You have you know you have the some bats. bats on strings. The bats, <laughs> the bats definitely, and they and they they get away with a lot on the on um, the makeup of the. So, well, the, what what you have in the story, and we can get into that, is um, a, I guess what it, what is a group of vampire women called? A coven of witches. Suck. What is? 
A suck what? of vampires. <laughs> yes, a suck of vampire of female vampires. They they are um, they are awakening after a couple hundred years, and uh, they apparently have been thwarted at some time in the past. Um, and they blame it on the dude vampires that have to be slept. They sleep upstairs, chained up on concrete slabs as opposed to having a nice coffin leaning against the wall. Um, but, uh, they, um, first the vampire priestess awake awakens. And, uh, now who is she played by some she, odd fucking, that was Ophelia. Yeah. Holy shit. Jesus God, she was Christ. Christ. Yeah. Ophelia Montesco is, Woodra. I've looked up. Yeah. Tandra vampire priestess. I have looked up, uh, pictures of her, and she's quite hard to find fo- decent photos of. But yeah. she is pretty stunning in this, and this is where most of the p- photos come from. Um, now, Lorena v- Velasquez, who plays the queen, she shows up in a little bit more. I was able to yeah, find yeah, some she's photos, e- photos of her. But. She's a little more tranny-looking, but still kind of attractive. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> but, uh, but you have the vampire priestess who wakes up, wakes up all of the vampire women who... You know, I mean, come on, they're all pretty attractive, and uh, and the dudes upstairs who I guess are attractive too. And uh, <laughs> those are some goofy looking dudes, man. <laughs> yeah, they, the little uh, wrestling singlets they were wearing with their capes, and they would run with holding their capes out, so it looked like God, they were I love flying. the way they would run with their arms out to their side, <laughs> and you they know, would prance. Back, it'd be kind of a cool thing because I mean, you know, if you got chilly out, you could just kind of wrap around. <laughs> <laughs> well, they um. They they wake up the queen of the vampires, Thorina, and they there's a woman that lives locally, Diana, who it's going to be her 21st birthday. And I guess due to what she looks like... She didn't do they, it for me that much, I'll be honest with you. No, yeah, she, she wasn't as good as a vampire woman. She's kind of blah. But she, um, they're, what they're going to do is basically kidnap her and make her the new queen. They need to, they need to continue the bloodline because in a way it was broken a couple hundred years prior because of the, the bumbling, uh, vampire dudes apparently did something wrong and they don't really get into that. Um, maybe it could have been explained like they do in the next movie. (laughs) Well, they, 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 they kind of made mention of it that like 200 years ago, the last one was defended by this masked hero. Oh, well, this, oh God, I can't believe. Okay. I missed that. And yeah, it's amazing how similar these fucking movies are. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, you know. It was, it was in there, man. It was long yeah. enough that people probably just... But, it, but the... It these, was a reimagining. Va- it was an homage. Yes. An homage. <laughs> this had to... Yeah. Well, it, it had to have been an homage. I mean, there's no other... But we'll get to that. But we'll get to that. But the, the, the vampire women, when they're not hot... Um, this is what I'm saying. They kind of get away with some things. Uh, they they have this just like, and I don't know the technique to do it, but this crusty makeup on their faces. Yeah, that was and kinda, it's, it looks like oatmeal or something. Yeah, but it's yeah. A, it's a it's a good look. I think it works. It looked very yeah. uh, yeah. it looked very baba to me. Just the way that they appeared in it. I don't know it's, why. It's the, the all the coffins that are leaning against the wall in this castle or wherever they are are uh they're underlit so when the women are you know when the doors open they come out and there's you know the the scary like sitting around the campfire look with you know scary face or whatever do you have you have the silhouette of the the previous previously mentioned augusto on the wall he never says anything but it's obvious it's just some dude in one of those cheesy red devil costumes with a long pointy goatee satan um, yes uh <laughs> But you know he's kind of pulling the strings, and they 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 what speak for think? him. 
<laughs> I was going to do that too. Yeah. Pull the string. Pull the string. But uh, I just love the way this 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 movie looks when it starts, and um, and unlike the other movie we watch. This one is it handles the superhero in a, in a different way because they take a pretty long time to set up the story without Santo even being in it. You, I mean, you have a you have a, a, a tag team match. His ego probably wasn't as big as <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's also good because he's not a great actor. Yeah, no, so they bring him in when they need him, but otherwise they let uh, the actual you know quote unquote real actors do all the work. And it's got to be freaking hard to act with a mask on. True. I don't care who you are because, you know, uh, you never see his face. And so to be able, he has to emote a little differently than other people do, which, well, he doesn't have to, obviously. But, just, yeah. just blah, blah. but I mean, besides the, the match mask. at the beginning, um, he's really not a part of the film other than a name for the first hour almost. And it's only an hour and a half movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you have the daughter of the professor and it's a pretty standard setup as far as, as far as a monster themed Lucha film is going to go. The, the daughter, Diana has a mark on her body. Um, that's in the, 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 so the vampires know exactly who she is. Like, Oh, it's the mark of the vampire. She's got it on her shoulder. She's got the the tramp stamps in the next one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This was uh, what looked like a bat tattoo on her arm. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, you get a you get a glimpse of it, and you get this more in later movies. But you get a glimpse of Santos' like lab. I wonder if she um, would like go to like the uh, like the doctor and be like, you know, I got this mole. Can you look at this, and do you think this is anything? And they're like, oh, it's what fine. Fuck is that? Scrape it off, put it in a petri dish. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that they show Santo having a lab. And in all of these movies, he kind of reminds me of Doc Savage. That's what I was gonna say, Doc nice. Savage. Smart fucking uh, musician, writes music, does it. He can do it all. He's the Renaissance man. Exactly. And I, Except and that's, without and that's what's great Savage about it. Tan, the man of bronze. I'd love to read the uh, the comic book that was started back in the 30s or 40s with Santo being the hero, whenever that was. Maybe it was the 50s. Well, I, um, used, I used to have some of those because uh, part of my childhood was in Arizona, and that's where mm-hmm. I became aware of Santo, that uh, we had two different Spanish language channels. And it was, I remember I was about 10, I was flipping through the channels one summer, and this movie was on, because I, I, at first I thought it was just a re, an old wrestling thing, because it was during the, his uh, final match in the ring. So he's wrestling this guy, and he's, I can't understand anything they're saying, because there was no subtitles, and I only kind of spoke Spanish, but not really. And then all of a sudden he takes off the mask, and boom, it's a fucking werewolf. <laughs> and I remember looking it up in the in the uh, TV guide, and I just saw Santo. And ev- ever since then, I would always watch, look at the TV guide, see any time a Santo movie would come on. We would go to the little bodegas they would have, and they would be the Spanish language uh, Santo comics. So I have yeah. them floating around somewhere. But even if and you didn't understand the language, you didn't need to because these movies were just awesome enough in their own right. Yeah, and and there's something about these, and I, and I can't honestly say I've ever seen one that's even could be considered like a just a great movie. No. They're all pretty bad. They're yeah. low budget horror or or action or whatever, but something about the aesthetic and something about that the whole like lucha libre mystique is something that has drawn me for years and years. I mean, I've got a fucking I've got myself tattooed as a lucha wrestler on my own chest. I got uh, it on my arm. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's Oh, uh, Love's dad would hate you. <laughs> yes, he would. Um, he doesn't like tattoos. 
Well, when I got he my first like tattoo, no, yeah. <laughs> when I got my first tattoo, he was like, "Why did you put a goddamn cartoon on your arm? You're gonna regret that someday." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mine, um, I regret every day I've like been a, born. A screaming demon skull wearing a luchador mask. So I guess it's kind of cool, but <laughs> nice. Okay, so the the comic started in '52 and ran for about 35 years. Yep. So and they've art. So in a way, they were making him a. Um, Oh, you know what? El Medico, when I said El Medico Asesino did a good Santo impersonation, he was the one that played the man in the silver mask in the movie that Santo turned down. Yep, the ripoff. Um, <laughs> so, um, but this, you know, he was already set up, he was a wrestler, but he was already set up as like this comic book hero. And so I'm, maybe they're making movies out of the comic books. I don't know. I mean, the only other thing I could think of that would might even compare is the Tiger Mask character that they did for for. Uh, in the 70s and 80s in Japan mm-hmm. based on a comic book character. But that was not, I don't think it was wrestler into comic book character. And he definitely didn't do movies, but I think it was comic book character cartoons that they made a wrestler out of. But Yeah, I mean, Santo, you know, he'd already established himself as a wrestler. He had already gotten all this cult following. And this was just another a- aspect of branding, you know. It's like, yeah, Hulk, yeah. it's kind of like Hulk Hogan back in the 80s, you know, because he showed up in movies and he did a lot of comic books. A lot of wrestlers did comic books back in the eighties, if I remember correctly. And, and and even though even though we only get a glimpse of Santos more mysterious in this movie than he would be later on, because later on he becomes the central later on in movies, he becomes the central figure. He's the the genius solving the crime. You see his awesome lab, he has gadgets and all stuff like that. And this one they have, which I love this video conference they do. It's it's so funny that now yeah. I can be driving down the road and have a, a, a device that's, you know, the size, a little bigger than a deck of cards, and I can video chat with somebody while I'm driving. Yet, this one takes an entire wall with a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where the camera was. And, it looked like it was on the front uh, hood. <laughs> yeah. When he, call, when he calls him in the car, he, has a, he must have a hood-mounted uh, camera and when I was watching um, Champions of Justice, the mad scientist would peek in with his magic cameras, and you would get somehow you would get first person view of the wrestlers of the midgets. So you'd see the midgets fighting into the camera. It's like like the like the like Blue Demon himself had a camera strapped to his own face. Awesome. Um, but the only, um, thing, the only thing this movie is missing though, Santo wearing a leisure suit. Yeah, he he. So Santo throughout this entire one, he there's no, and we'll get to this in the next one, but he has no costume changes at all. Um, so something I, I I definitely appreciate about the look is a Mexican wrestling mask with a with a suit and tie. <laughs> I always liked that, even when they would show him in like the old wrestling magazines, of basically someone wearing what they would wear in normal everyday uh, yes. activity. Like a polo shirt and uh, khaki pants or something like that, or a suit or whatever, but to have the mask on. Mister yep. Wrestling too did that shit all yeah. the time, and that's what was, that's what I used to love, you know. But when I'd watch some of the later ones, because there is an element of hilarity to that, and yeah, yeah it's 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 in the so bad it's good, and there's a camp factor to it. But mm-hmm. I, I think that adds to the charm. So they they bring they bring Santo into into the loop when uh, the professor. Um, figures out that his daughter is in trouble. I don't know. I can't remember if they ever, if they figure out that it's actual vampires that are after her or what, but, um, I think they mentioned that like the first conversation he has with, uh, Santo. Okay. Okay. It, but, uh, they, they kind of enlist Santo to be the, I guess the protector of the daughter. 
and um, at, when the when the vampire, uh, the suck of vampires, uh, figure out that uh, Santos involved, they have to kind of sabotage him too. Now, I like, just want to say fuck. though, he is a terrible protector because it's just like we think that she's they're going to come for her on her on her birthday. Uh, will you come to her party? No, I'm busy. <laughs> He's like, like I already next, have something to do. So like in the next movie, can, can, can you can you stay and uh, and uh, uh, help out the Joint Chiefs of Staff with a with a plan? He's like, no, I have a championship match. Yep, um, <laughs> got more important shit to do. Well, the wrestling always must take priority. It does. It definitely does. The um, now, Zom, what do you think of the wrestling that goes on in this? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I, the the um, comparing it to the other one, um, these guys are, of course. Well, younger and spryer. Younger and spryer, and um, the compared to modern lucha libre, um, you have to get in a totally different mindset to watch like uh, yeah. CMLL or AAA or something now, because this, to me, like the match in this, uh, I think it's like Ray Mendoza and uh, some. Yeah, you got the tag team match at the, the beginning. The tag team match. But it looks, it's more of what you, sure, it has some, what they would call, for back then, high flight stuff. But oh, yeah. It's more similar to what you would see in America uh, than now it has evolved to the point where it's just like fucking anarchy. And you know? it just moves <laughs> to do moves. And the rules are just, I don't know if they're non existent, but they're just kind of. Uh, that's the only thing that that's hard for me. To, it's it's so obviously uh, choreographed uh, that it does. They don't even attempt to make anything look real now. And this looks more like something that you would have seen. Uh, but even back, even in the seventies, sixties or seventies, uh, this kind of match, when these guys would come to uh, say in California and in the southern part of Texas they probably would still get into it because they have a large Hispanic population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but when they would come up uh, to other parts of the country, you know, the, the wrestlers, the promoters and the wrestlers would be like, get that phony shit the fuck out of here. But, you know, like I'm watching, you know, watching it, it, it looks pretty good. And it looks a lot better than the next movie. Oh yeah, well, and these guys are all old, so yeah. yeah. Well, but and the, that's, um, the, that's the thing—you really gotta. I, speaking as you know, a younger wrestling fan, if you haven't watched old wrestling and you watch this, you'll probably think it looks like shit. Yeah, because there is a lot of you know tests of strength. There's a lot of uh, guys putting people into headlocks and stuff like that. It's not very dynamic compared to where wrestling is now. Yeah. But that's what wrestling was back in the day. Well, it's, it was still it's very based on that kind of grappling. Yeah, in the United States, um, there's a lot of times where you look at what they do now and you think, okay, why do they even call it wrestling? Because wrestling is, you know, pretty much, you know, putting on holds, working holds, and oh, yeah. and trying to get a guy in a position to submit and everything. And now they hardly, they're like, all they look at holds is as rest holds, and and if you get somebody in a headlock or something like that or any kind of hold, it's um. Uh, people will be like boring, boring. They want constant movement and just brawling, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. um, you can blame the attitude era. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, but you know that's just uh, everything evolves. But yeah, yeah, but but then when you look at it, if you look at it in a in a different perspective, um, 
MMA. <laughs> MMA is more along the lines of what wrestling even was trying to be back in the 50s back and in the well no actually all the way back to like uh, Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt like 1918 or even Strangler Lewis Dick Shikat mm-hmm, those guys mm-hmm. Ray Steele back in the 30s uh, where it was holds and submissions and stuff and people would go see these matches and when they were legit uh, the matches sometimes would last two to three hours or something, and people were like, Jesus Christ, these guys getting a hold. They're locking. You know, <laughs> when you were a kid, if you got your buddy in a headlock and he cross-faced you down on the ground and neither one of you could do shit, you could lay there forever. And that's what happened. So then they had to, the crowd started dying out because it was got boring. Like you see people watching uh, MMA when it first started, and they're like, all them guys do is get each other down on the ground, and they just lay there. And Well, they're not laying there. They're trying to fucking hurt each other and get submissions and everything. Yeah. You just have to understand it. And same with amateur wrestling. So then even MMA, they started, okay, well, if you're down there for too long, we're going to stand you up because the punching and kicking is exciting. And then one of these days when these guys get tired of getting hurt and beat up and their joints are killing them and, and the crowd start thinning out they're going to start working some of those fucking matches and making them more entertaining and okay we you know nowadays the guys can't stay on top because everybody can be beat and the guys get beat up and everything but they're going to learn that uh to make a big hero and put them on top and keep them on top you kind of have to maybe feed them some bums and say okay well (laughs) you're going to win tonight and this is our guy (laughs) we're making money off of him and so it's just a ever evolving thing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Depending on where you live and everything, but I do. I I mean, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, I when I was a kid, it was the '70s, and um, watching it then, and then you know, I was always like like love is with baseball, watching the Ken Burns thing, and you like baseball now, you like baseball when you're a kid, but then you're so interested in it, you go back and you start looking at stuff <laughs> about guys in the 20s and 30s and 50s and just all that stuff and that's how I always was with wrestling so I try I kind of appreciate you know every generation except this one because it sucks and Daniel Bryan's fucking sucks and John Cena sucks and <laughs> Randy Orton sucks and Triple H is a piece of shit and Shawn Michaels is a douche and well, I'm, no. I'm, I'm glad you you appreciated the wrestling in this because I, I could definitely see that being a stumbling block for some wrestling fans yeah. if the only thing they've been exposed to is newer style of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, it, it, it's not as exciting or dynamic, and yeah, it looks kind of sloppy, but that's just how things were back in the day. But yeah. you know what? Uh, at that time... This uh, probably looked crazy. Oh, sure. Then. You know, they talked about Vince McMahon, uh, you know, taking the WWF National. Well, you know, back in the 50s, uh, the Dumont Network, wrestling was national back then when tv first started up it was the biggest thing on tv and uh you know people went to madison square garden and and out of chicago uh fred kohler's promotion they were a national they it was it went everywhere my mom or you know my relatives now would say like my grandma and grandpa that lived where i live now they had one of the first TVs in this little mining town, and on, I think, Saturday night or whatever, they would uh, take the TV out in the yard, and it was one of those big console TVs in the big wooden case and everything, take it out in the yard, they would hook uh, this cable up to it, 
run this huge long cable, spool of cable, all the way across the street, up the hill, up into the woods. <laughs> One of the guys would climb the f- a fucking tree and take an antenna where they had an antenna up at the top of this tree up on the hill, hook it up, and then all the people in the town would come and they would set up chairs like lawn chairs outside in the yard and they would turn wrestling on and they would sit there and watch wrestling out in my grandparents' backyard. Nice. You know, so that's, it's a totally different time and the people believed it, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it was, uh, they say now like in, uh, you know, whether it was, or, you know, even just a few years ago, Mexico, Puerto Rico and stuff like that, they thought that the moon landing was fake and that pro wrestling was still real. (laughs) So, you know, Say um, what you want. You know, there's not a lot of people in the U.S. that you know are that passionate. Yep. Except um, Justin. Well. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh my god. The. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, back to back, back to the costumes real quick. I like that. Yeah, what you were saying. Santo does not. He doesn't change at all. He nope. he does not wear a cape when he wrestles. But but besides that, he's wearing his silver mask, his silver tights, his boots, and that's it. And he drives around in his little Aston Martin or whatever yeah. that car is. And uh, he's in his, he's, well, you never see him in his lab because the professor can't catch him. But that's just if he was in there like jerking off or something. <laughs> Into a Petri dish and he's like. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, but you notice but he, it, he leaves, he, it, the video turns on, but he still leaves the message on the, on the gigantic tape machine. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love that, that old school, uh, you know, uh, futuristic technology, uh, yes. where they have the, you know the guys like, oh, this is a direct line to Santo in his you know office. Wherever he's, he is, he's very almost like James Bondish, like you said, uh, yeah, yeah. Doc Savage or or sort of James Bond or something like that. And uh, um, we must put a call out, you know, and and uh, I don't know. It's it's funny, but but it's. Um, kind of a suspension of disbelief thing because when you're watching any of these movies to get into it you just have to accept you know okay here's this guy like El Goro said that just kind of uh, wears a mask all the time nobody blinks about it they all know who he is and it's just like a you know big thing but I will say this about old horror movies including this movie I lived in an apartment uh, with the young chick whose mom was you know same age difference as she was to me or whatever, going either way. Um, and we lived on the third floor of this apartment building, and it had there was a chimney in there. And I don't know if there was a crack or whatever. And uh, at one time, we were in the apartment, and these bats got in the apartment. Bats, like little flying Yikes. Oh, fuck that. And in these movies, these bats, they hover... <laughs> and they fly really straight, like a, a kind of like a bird or something. Bats fucking are all over the goddamn place. They're unnerving <laughs> because they will fly at your fucking head yeah. and they just fly they're just all over the place. Yeah, this thing, bats don't freak me out, but we've had bats in, inside a house and they go nuts. Yeah. So you just can't predict where the hell they're, they're like going to go. Off the walls. Bat, if, if, if you are afraid of bats, I will tell you how not to be afraid of bats. Buy a tennis racket and you will kill every bat you see. This is true. Because, They're very fragile. Yeah, you can't hit them with uh, something that's... Uh, it's hard to hit them like with a towel or a broom. 
something that's just a, a, a mass. But those tennis rackets, for some reason, I don't know if they can't detect them or what, because yeah. the air goes through them. Jesus Christ. You, and you'll have a hard time finding them because when you hit them with a tennis racket, they go flying. <laughs> Jesus. And then um, the, I found done. one. Good. I killed one, and I couldn't find it because, you know, it's like a tennis ball. It just goes flying. And bats carry rabies, and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, i got to find this bat. And I knew that one was dead, but there were two, and there was another one, and I was like, I don't know where the fuck that thing went. The next day when it was daylight and I went back in the apartment, it had went in the bathroom and, you know, had a fluorescent light above the mirror, and it went into the top of that and was down inside there underneath the fluorescent light bulb. And mm. I'm like, how in the fuck am I going to get that goddamn thing out of there? So I sprayed it with WD-40, and I feel bad because that would it was probably really scared, awful and horrible. And the thing was yeah, probably was choking probably horrified. But I, when it finally came out, it came out and it tried to fly, and it had that shit all over it, and it couldn't. It finally climbed up on the stucco wall, and I could see it in there because I was scared. I was like, you know, I'm a grown guy, but uh, <laughs> I was in college, but I, you know, I was like a big <laughs> puss. And I'm like watching it, and it's licking that. It's hanging with its legs oh, spread out on the oh. stucco licking that shit off there. And Dude, it, I hope you have nightmares about that. When it finds huh? <laughs> I said I hope you have nightmares about that. I didn't animal. fight that fucker in my house. Well, he's, see, the thing is I find it really sad cuz I knew a guy who used to keep bats. Well, I know, you know but he, it was he him lived or me. The, yeah, I know. I mean, he he lived he lived <laughs> it probably in the desert. wasn't though. Yeah. This guy, he lived in the desert. He had some bats that just hung out, and over subsequent generations, they just grew so acclimatized to him or used to him that he could handle them. And then I remember as a kid, I would handle them too, and bats are cute. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, do you guys want to add anything to this movie? I don't want to just keep going. Then one time, this kitten came out my house, and I stomped <laughs> it with my steel toed boots. I didn't invite that kitten. I, didn't I invite stomped that it with fucking there. golf clubs. I paid rent to that motherfucker. Um, I. I I actually enjoyed this movie. I like the old school, all the old school horror stuff in it. Looked really good. I didn't expect this to be as good as it was because I've never seen any of these movies. Even though I'm a wrestling fan, I've never seen any of these lucha. You, you'll, you know, I think if you like this one, um, you'll dig a lot of the like the '60s yeah. stuff. Yeah, and but, even if you watch the later ones, yeah, they go down in quality. But as long as they're they're still from like the '70s and the '80s, there's going to be a camp factor that you'll probably enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That or, chick's hot. Jesus. Some of them were just like you know really cheap James Bond ripoffs. They just happen to sur- uh, have luchadors in the lead, <laughs> which is awesome. Nothing wrong and with some that. of them have midgets. Can you some see Ollie Anderson be like in this and? Uh, just like going around being grouchy and shit, but he'd be the hero. He would be kind of like. I'll tell you what, as, as as worried about money as Ole Anderson was, I bet he yeah. wishes he had some of the fucking money that Santo would have gotten. Oh, I'm shit, sure. Yeah. I wonder um, who who was. Did they ever have like a. Was there ever a private investigator in movies or TV that was just an old grouch? You know, kind of an old bastard? Was, uh, Columbo? Well, yeah, was, yeah, he really wasn't a grouch. He was just. Uh, a fucking uh, slob. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. One more thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I, if I had to rate this movie, I was thinking about it, and and uh, shit. I, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, but you know, I, I like the look of it. I like the hot chick. I, I, you know, it's easy for me. To, I, I didn't laugh at this one as much as I laugh at the next one. 
Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I give this uh, seven point. Nice. Five. I was going to give it an eight, but I give it a seven point five. Right on. Um, I wish Laura, I could wanna... have been in this movie or been there when they were making it. Because I, when I see these old movies like that, I, I just was like, God, I wish they had a making of documentary, or they somehow went and <clears throat> these people were still alive and they could talk to them and say, Yeah, you know, this and that. It would be kind of cool. Gore, did would... you want to add anything of it before you rate it? Um, no, I mean, I, I really enjoy this film. But then again, I gotta, yeah. I. I'm a fan of these kind of luchador movies. I think this one is bringing a little bit more to the table. Like you said, it it just looks beautiful. I mean, this thing looks like it could have been part of the whole universal horror cycle, but with yeah. chicks in it that look like they could be part of the hammer cycle. So there you go. There's uh, a, um, you know, there's a, there's a Santo movie out there that actually has nudity in it, and the chicks nice. are pretty hot in that one too. Nice. Mm. I'll, I'll be getting to it sometime next year. And then, you know, Santo was that's one thing that like uh, Wahoo McDaniel said. He said, you know, I I he went either to Mexico or it was down in San Antonio, right on the border, and uh, they said uh, I think it was San Antonio. And he said uh, they, you know, he heard he had heard for years and years and years about Santo, you know, Santo the legend, Santo, Santo, Santo. And he said, you know, I'd never met him. And they said you're going to tag team with Santo tonight. And he said, you know, the guy shows up and he goes, he was just this, and this is Wahoo's like, he's just this little itty bitty fella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's, he's not a huge guy. But he said when they wrestled. Uh, because Santo was this huge legend and they had such a huge Hispanic population down there that they agreed in the tag team match that Wahoo would, you know, sell, 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 get beat up by the heels. And then in the end, Santo would come in, do his thing, throw some drop kicks, da da da, and win the match. And he said he could not fucking believe it. He said he's getting pummeled by the villains. And then he finally makes the, the, the tag, the hot tag. Santo comes in, cleans house. Pins both guys or whatever, and he said, "Before he's he he goes, I'm over in the corner, and I look up, and all these fans swarm into the ring, lift this guy up on his shoulders, and carry him out like they had just won World War II, you know. <laughs> and this had to have been when he was older, you know, probably probably in the early seventies, late sixties, early yeah, 70s. so fifties. So he, he was in his fifties. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There's there you something go. about Santo. And this is definitely out of the ones that I've seen, and it's only been a handful, and uh, most of them were untranslated, but this is the one that kind of stuck with me. So I would uh, highly recommend people checking it out. I don't do the uh, whole numbering thing just because I, I never could wrap my head about how to apply a number you to got, things. you got to do it on this show. All right, give, then give I give a number. it... We'll go. We'll go with the uh, the seven luchador masks, just like uh, yeah. Tom there. Seven luchador masks. <laughs> I give now, it. If, uh, and I if, might... if you if you find this completely ridiculous and you you just can't stand the idea of watching a movie with a uh, a serious take on like a luchador like this, go watch the Mystery Science Theater three thousand episode they did, oh, which yeah, it was based off the there. yeah it was based off the American dub that they did uh, called Samson versus the Vampire Woman. And if you're an MST3K fan, it, you probably know it because that was the last episode that had TV's Frank on it. The um, This this one, yeah, like you were saying, is a more serious one. Um, I like... Uh, this, this one has the maybe less intentional <sighs> camp as to where they kind of really played on that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... Uh, I appreciate... Honestly, I appreciate all of them. Um, but uh, this one is uh, one of the definitely more solid movies as far as 
being an actual artistic film goes. Um, I give this a 7.5 also. It's a, it's a solid movie, um, and it's fun because it's a fucking wrestler fighting vampire. Well, you know something? So. I, there are beautiful women today. I mean, I see women every day on the goddamn internet or whatever. You go to the goddamn mall, and you're like, fuck, look at that. Woo, yeah. But Jesus Christ, the the like... 60s, mid 60s, you know, early 70s, maybe. God damn, you watch this movie and you're like, I don't know. I guess it's because they're portrayed as being more the 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 way that they do their hair, their makeup, and everything is more glamorous yeah, than yeah, today. Yeah. So maybe that's what. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing. I like the old older puss. Well, just <laughs> what it is. Ophelia Montesco is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Way hotter than the, the even the queen, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, the princess yeah, was yeah. hotter. I mean, I the queen was quite. The the queen was quite attractive as well, and apparently she's she's appeared in a couple of the Santo movies. So nice. Yeah, she was in. I think she was in. Um, there was one with Martians. I think she was into. Yeah. Uh, let's see. El Santo contra las, la invasión de los marcianos. There you go. The Martians. That yep. I, remember, I remember in that one too. I think she dances in that movie. Awesome. Cool. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back and do. An inadvertently very similar film. (laughs) Um, uh, Mil Mascaras versus the Aztec Mummy. We'll be right back. (laughs) Okay, and welcome back to another episode of Guess That Riff. With me on the show tonight, my first contestant is Mr. Fred Nurk. Fred, are you ready to guess that riff? I sure am. Okay, here's riff number one. Ah, that's It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC. Fantastic, Fred. Okay, here's riff number two. Hmm, that one is Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool. Fantastic, you're doing great, Fred. Now, this one's a tricky one. Guess riff number three. Hmm, that one is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Fantastic, Fred. How did you know all those riffs? Well, I listened to Love That Album podcast. That's fantastic. Really? Uh, no. That's what you told me to say, Dad. Max, shh. I told you never to call me Dad during the promo. Go to lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or type in Love That Album, all one word, into iTunes. Listen to Love That Album. It might turn you into a rock geek. Or you might just con your son into making pitiful promos for your podcast. Maybe we should have found a fake Mexican song for this uh, this particular uh, movie. Is that um, ska? <laughs> I don't know what. The, yeah, voodoo. Like- this is the voodoo glow skulls. Mm. Baile de los locos. Uh, that one. The first one was funk doobie fest superheroes. Doobie fest. <laughs> And then Bryn chose the last song, which has nothing to do with anything we're reviewing. So thanks, Bryn. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, this is uh, Mil Mascaras versus the Aztec Mummy, directed by Jeff Burr and Chip Gubera. Um, I'll let uh, El Gorro synopsize. Oh, I think you, you found wonderful, it, right? wonderful man. <laughs> okay, so 
Mil Mascaras versus the Aztec Dummy. 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 <laughs> the Aztec Dummy. It's already late, man. The Freud is kicking in. Came out in 2007. Here we go. An Aztec mummy is resurrected in a ceremony in which the blood of a human sacrifice is dripped onto the mummified remains. The mummy possesses a scepter with a jewel that can be used to control people's minds for the purpose of world conquest. Mil Mascaras learns of the mummy's plans and is determined to thwart him. When the scepter fails to do so, that's uh, whatever, the mummy attempts to control Mil's <laughs> mind by exploiting the hallucinogenic effect of Aztec magic mushrooms and yeah. the allure of identical twin seductresses. All right, I give this a five. Well, <laughs> next. <laughs> next. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, All right, so, so you remember everything we said about uh, El Santo versus the Vampire yeah, Open? So, yeah, so that's and, and let's 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 touch on that a little because I was very shocked of all of the Lucha movies ever made how similar <laughs> these two movies ended up being. It was similar, but I will say this: this fucking movie um, had me laughing out loud on several occasions. Nice. Um, would you? Would you? Did you laugh when you saw Richard Lynch as the president of the United States? I was very Old surprised. Face. I wonder how uh, many movies Richard Lynch did after this uh, before he died. He died in 2012. Okay, because I was going to say he was pretty old in this. So I'll I'll, I'll count. So he did uh, one, two, three, four. But then five, again, he six, always seven, looked kind of old because eight. he lit himself on fire when he was on LSD and burned his face up. He, Wait a minute, he actually had a burned face? Yes. Wow. Yes, he did. He took some acid and decided to light himself on fire in, I think, Central Park in New York. Yeah, it was in Central Park. Wow. Uh, yeah. I thought that was just his face or like a botched plastic surgery, so I would uh-huh. I was calling him old burn face, but <laughs> he, yeah, very sensitive. Now I feel bad. Yes. <laughs> and you talk about me and the bat. Anyway, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> So I didn't spray he didn't down hit, Richard Lynch with WD forty to let he did him it to himself. <laughs> he did it to himself, and then El Goro smashed him with a with a uh, tennis racket. Milt Moscaris uh, is known if you uh, follow professional wrestling for his huge ego. Uh, there are a <laughs> number of now there are a lot of guys that worked with him that were top level guys. Uh, like say, like maybe like Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk Jr., probably Harley Race, uh, Wahoo, and guys like that. That said, he was a great guy. Uh, you know, blah 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 blah. But then there are guys like Mick Foley, Superstar Graham, and some of these guys that said he would he would not sell anything. He wanted to take the entire match, and he was like Superstar Billy Graham was the fucking WWWF World Champion. And they brought Mill Moscaris um, to New York, which was the biggest uh, territory or you know promotion in the United States at that time. And because um, the pe- the the when the the after they called them the after magazines, even though Bill After was kind of like the editor, he didn't own them or anything. But um, the way that during the territory days, you didn't have national TV, so the way that I would see a lot of these wrestlers. I may not see him wrestle for 10 years, but I'd hear about him because you'd read about him in the magazines, and they'd have all these pictures and everything. And Mil Mascaris was one of the guys that Bill Apter just looked at him and saw this fantastic mask. And at the time, you know, when he was younger, like almost oh, he was like a in- bodybuilder physique for that time. 
Uh, he was in great shape, but like in the Champions of Justice movie in '71, man, he yeah. looked he looked very young, and he um, he did these awesome head scissors and shit. Like he was, yeah, and he got take, a lot of take it. nothing away from him in this movie. For you know, a guy in his '60s, he still looks pretty good. He looks pretty yeah. good, yeah. but he got a lot of exposure from those magazines, and because in you know the New York territory there was a, a, a big Hispanic population, they would bring him in to wrestle Superstar Graham or whatever, and. Um, so he was on the cover of a sh- if you get a lot of those old magazines one thing you'll see on the cover is a lot of gore because you know they would always have the blade uh, <laughs> bloody faces of Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Valiant, Dusty Rhodes, oh, yeah. uh Superstar Graham or uh pictures of Mil Mascaris in these elaborate costumes and everything and they would do photo shoots of him, you know, like I said mowing his grass or swimming in the pool with his mask <laughs> on and all this shit. Um, but one thing he's, he's uh, a lot more prominent in this movie, uh, yes. from beginning to end. Um, oh, and yeah. he, they, they show a lot more close ups of his face and him, you know, how you said it's kind of hard to sell or to act. <laughs> and there were times where he would be making faces like a, a chick would come on to him and he would be like, Almost Ooh. like, yeah, either Ooh, or see almost like the with the twins, like the big gulp of his items. <laughs> and then there was one time where the they they came across uh, somebody, and they didn't show it, but the the Mill Mascaris, the the police chief and the professor are looking down off of this balcony, and they're like, "Oh my god, they tortured him. They used every method." Blah, blah, blah. And they show Mill Mascaris' face, and it looked like he was about ready to barf, which I thought was funny because <laughs> you see like a big bunch, a big uh, geyser of vomit just shooting out of his fucking mask. Um, well, the thing that made me laugh the most because unlike uh, Mujeres Vampiro, <laughs> this was an American production, mm-hmm. but uh, Mill Mascaris doesn't speak English in this movie, but he does have an awesome dub. Yeah. Oh my god, his dub is so bad. <laughs> I loved it though. And I because think he does speak he does speak English. I mean, I'm, maybe it's not the best, but I think he does speak English. So. Yeah, they well, must have done that. They must have done that on purpose. Well, that, that's entirely possible because it it felt so over the top and it felt so predictably camp that it could have just been a stylistic choice for them. Yeah, because he was talking how you would you would hear you know in like cartoons when anytime they'd have like a luchador on there. Just uh, very over the top and very heavily accented. I uh, now we we were talking uh, pre-show about his uh, <laughs> his uh, costume changes. Uh, he was one of these guys. I mean, I don't know when he wrestled if he just carried around a giant fucking trunk full of shit because he always had different fucking masks and different capes and tights and they all matched and all this shit and everything. Uh, he goes through a bunch of them in this. I, 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 I'll go through them. I'll, I'll yeah. use that. My notes is that he went through 26 costume changes in this movie. <laughs> now, some of them were the same, but there were always variations. But he did. Def- he definitely changed clothes. And you'd see some classics and you'd see like some that you recognize if you know if you know if you've seen him wrestle or in other movies or whatever but there's some shit i'd never seen before even so mm-hmm. but the um i mean he he does the suit a couple times he goes uh, he has a suit with the black and silver mask now the black and silver mask is something that he was done he did a lot yeah. and this it's like um his all black mask with silver highlights right 
uh, where he has kind of like that almost like fireball shapes around his eyes, mm. the weird like curvy triangles on his head. But then um, he would, uh, but he would go from that wearing the suit. And that was at dinner, <laughs> out to dinner where nobody's looking twice uh, with his lady friend who is dumping him at dinner and he's looking across the table like what you're breaking up with <laughs> is it because i've never worn uh, taken my mask off you've never seen my face um but Father, uh, he, why am i like this he goes yes. from the, the suit suit in the mask <laughs> to a <laughs> we're gonna do the brutal stereotypical uh but that's how his sex. voice sounded it, is. it was brutal so, yeah they sounded like a white guy doing a deep voice and doing stereotypical spanish yes no, I don't. I don't have to go through all of these, but I mean, he wears this uh, this like satiny zebra like jacket at one point. Oh, God, he fucking yeah. has these rainbow sequins on. I really wished he would bring that one back. I'd never seen him in that one. <laughs> um, he's he's at a museum, I think, talking to a police guy, and he's wearing this fucking rainbow sequin jacket with a, with a matching mask that was pretty incredible. Some um, of the, he wears. I I love the. Um, the the like uh, I don't know if it would be first or third grade logic that they use when they're trying to sound scientific or to uh, figure something out. Now you you just already they've already been exposed to this goddamn mummy right that has this fucking scepter <laughs> that can hypnotize people and shit and and he's doing all this shit and then something um, uh, really crazy will happen that's like something. Uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, supernatural, and the guy will say, you know, I think this may be linked to the mummy. And Mill is very skeptical and a critical thinker, and he'll be like, "Are you sure that it has to do with the mummy?" It's like, now listen, <laughs> motherfucker, you just saw this goddamn Aztec fucking mummy and all this supernatural shit, and I, I, I assume that nothing like this has happened before. Which maybe it has, maybe it happens so much. But he's like. Don't jump to conclusions. You know? It's like, no. I'm no, there, there is. Do we lose them? Nothing about the full moon that will bring home. Probably just line. The and then when they were going into the explanation, and they were going through the explanation about the, how he was controlling people's minds and how the contours of his mask yes. prevent his that <laughs> was from awesome, being yes. mind controlled. It's hilarious. Now, the. Uh, the it's the, It's hilarious. Zom might not get half of this reference, but the mummy really reminded me of a mix between Mumra from Thundercats and and Franklin Jealous Skeletor from the Dolph He-Man movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was getting, oddly enough, I was getting a little bit of Italian zombie off of off of. The yeah, 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 yeah. I did like the zombie because or, or the zombie, the the mummy. He was he was um very animated and he he yeah he was kind of like a. You know, uh, an arch uh, super villain from the comic books or something. Uh, this this whole movie could have been a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they did. They actually did. Like when Belushi was there, and it probably was in the fir- maybe the first uh, season or whatever. They did a takeoff on pro wrestling, and I, and I think it was the Killer Bees. Uh, the 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 tag team where they were they were all bees, and they had the the goddamn things that you put on your head that are on like little springs that look mm-hmm. like antenna that bounce around and <laughs> the old wrestlers you would always see them because a lot of them back at the old wrestlers back in the 70s would have big they weren't like all steroided up bodybuilders they'd have like big bellies and stuff so they were always fidgeting with their tights you know pull, keep making pull them up above their their gut and so they they were doing that and shit um but this movie 
any any scene in this movie could be like a goddamn Mad TV or Saturday Night Live skit, and they had to have been. Do I mean this is all has to be done tongue in cheek? I cannot imagine that anybody that when they were making this thought that you know, let's really try to do a good job. You know, I know they were they were trying to do a good job, but they had to have been laughing when they were making. Well, that. yeah, and, and and I kind of wonder. I hope they were because if they because were, of that, Masters was and he was probably like locked in time. <laughs> I might well, I ca- the Academy. I, I kind of wonder, you know, being where it seems like it's homage or whatever, like how much of this storyline they just uh, will just use the word borrowed from vampire women, you know, because there's it's it's it would be one thing if if the plot structure was the same, but to have elements of the story that are identical mm-hmm. has to be intentional. I don't know if it's maliciously intentional or not, but uh, I mean... I, I, have, I have a feeling they just designed this to be an homage to their perception of the crazy Luchador movie. Yeah. You know, we were talking yeah. about all the crazy stuff that we enjoy about Luchador movies, and I bet somebody said, what if we just did all of that? We <laughs> threw it all into this movie, <laughs> and, you know, for, for structure, we'll just take the plot of uh, Vampire Women, but we'll just, and we'll play it completely straight, but it'll just all be there. We'll have robots, yeah. we'll have uh, werewolves, we'll have mummies. Fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, and so... Yeah, I mean, in this, you have a group of supernatural monsters who... There's a lot of fat fucking dudes in this. Oh, God. <laughs> Instead of hot chicks, it's fat dudes. There were um, one, one, one or two hot chicks in their group, but yeah, it was mostly fat dudes. Well, goddamn, in that one scene when that fucker, that big fat fucking slobby guy came in there and he hypnotized or did used some kind of mind trick to make himself look like a hot chick... Yep. And then I think yeah, and the guy, guy comes out choking. A hot chick, but it ended up being a fat dude's dick in his mouth. <laughs> they didn't show it, but I did, is that not the impression you got? Oh yeah, because he, he comes out going. He come out of there like. Oh! And then the, the, the fat guy came out, and he just had this really satisfied look on his face, like yeah. <laughs> but the you have, you have the group of supernatural monsters that are trying to kidnap the local super professor's daughter who has the mark of their ancient whatever mark on her body. She was young, and Mil Moskers was old, and she was kind of like cock-teasing. I don't know if she was cock-teasing him, but he... he wanted him. He yeah, she definitely <laughs> wanted him, and he was interested. And I'm telling you, I, I know I watched too much porn, but there was there was a time where the pro, the professor they were after her and Mil Moskris and the professor are at the professor's house, and the professor's like, "Well, I'm going to bed." And Mil Moskris is like, "Well, you know, don't worry, I'll stay here and protect you." And I just thought, as soon as that guy goes to bed, he's gonna be fucking the shit out of her. Well, because this and, was shot on digital, it looked like a porno. Yeah, but he was too much. I guess he was supposed to actually be a gentleman or whatever. But oh my god, I could just uh, that professor was a dumb fuck because uh, you know, no matter what. But then again, he was kind of like, you know, well, he was pushing. He was pushing by his daughter on it. Like, oh yeah. And the professor would never call him Mill, or if, if uh, he was just like, you know what, Mill Moskris, I think that we should do this. Yes, Mill Moskris, maybe we should go get a Coke. He would always call him by you know his full name. <laughs> but the um, 
Oh, ridiculous. But yeah, the uh, you know, even when the professor says, what what was the qu- I wrote down the quote. He said, um, well, obviously, uh, we obviously don't know what goes on behind that mask. He has the mind of a scientist, the soul of an artist, the body of a great athlete, and yet there's something more to him, something that separates him from normal men. <laughs> As if the other stuff wasn't enough to separate him from normal men. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, and what, add, to add another gross wrinkle to it, that whole budding romance is that Mill Maskers is probably old enough to be Her the grandpa. professor's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The professor's dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the police chief was, he was pretty, pretty fucking funny because he was like, I got enough evidence to arrest this mummy. It's <laughs> like, what? He wanted to arrest him. Yeah. Let's go arrest the mummy. Great. Now we can hold that against him too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's a fucking mummy. What are you going to do with him? I'll tell you what they're going to do with him. They're going to inflict all the pain that he inflicted upon other people because Mil Mascaras is a cold-blooded son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, I, no, yeah. I love, I, I love that ending. It's like they defeat the mummy. They have a blood sample from the from the guy that uh, the mummy's henchman had tortured to death. So even though the mummy is just quote unquote destroyed and sent back to his sarcophagus, he pours it on him, saying that so he will be experiencing the pain and torture that he inflicted on this guy for all eternity. It's like, Mill Mascaris's job on Earth to inflict hell on someone. It was actually Mascaris is cold, man. And then what did they do? They blow up that thousand-year-old Aztec temple at the end. Yeah, and it went up, man. <laughs> you would think yeah, it looked very realistic. Might have a problem with that. Ten. No, no, actually, it was a countdown for five. If it count down to ten, I would have fast-forwarded. And why the hell were they counting down? They, all they had to do was push a button. <laughs> yeah, you know. You gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. I will say this. Mil Oscars has a flat ass, so I guess it's oh. probably good for taking bumps. It's it's weirdly flat. Him? I don't know. I, I never realized his ass was so flat. I always thought that... Um, I'm gonna look up his name. There's the dude that does the orange crush move in Japan. I always thought he had wrestling's flattest ass, but I think Mil Moskers might be taking. Terry the Funk get, always said that the, that he said he had a good bump body because he had no ass, and then Mick Foley had such a big ass that he was a good bump taker. I don't know I, I, my butt. I don't know how you know. I kind of you know. I don't know. Kenta Kabashi. Kabashi, that dude yeah. has a flat ass. Yes, he was. He, he, man, what a that guy was great. But he had a flat ass at the age of thirty. This, yeah. you know, Mil Mascaris. I don't know. I there's haven't nothing looked at Mil better. Thirty year old. If you ever, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. There's a clip on YouTube of uh, the. It's, the it's from Japan, mm-hmm. and these this, these two little skinny Japanese wrestling fans uh, see Kenta Kabashi at some. Uh, he's getting a buying a drink at like some mall or something, and he was known for his famous chop like where he would chop a guy across the chest and mm-hmm. you know how some fans are uh kind of goofy it'd be like if you go up to mike tyson or like the the thing where chuck liddell the guy goes up to him and says you know i want to take i'm such a fan of yours i want to take one of your punches to the stomach or, so, or to the shoulder <laughs> and so this little skinny guy who looks like he weighs 140 pounds or 150 pounds takes his shirt off oh, and penta kabashi a <laughs> japanese guy he was big he had big, thick arms, big, thick legs, big, thick chest and everything. He chopped this fucking little guy. I swear to God. <laughs> I think, uh, I, th- I don't know who showed me that. If it was Justin or or Jake McLarge huge or somebody, it is fucking brutal. And it's one of those ones that somebody's pain is your pleasure when you watch did you, it. Did you ever see the one? It's a similar one where uh, Rocky, Johnson. <laughs> Rocky Johnson chops that redheaded. <laughs> he chopped that guy so hard that the guy literally, I'm surprised... 
that the guy's <laughs> shoes weren't still flat on the ground, and he came out of them. But um, now, Mil Mascaris in this, of course, like you said, he's probably about sixty years old, <laughs> so he's not getting around as well. He does look pretty good for an old man, you know, keeps in shape. But there were a couple of scenes in this where it was obvious that they switched to a stuntman or body double. Yeah, they lit some. I can't remember what happened, but somebody gets lit on fire, and all of a sudden. He was born in 42. Hispanic guy, Mil Mascaris, he, you know, he lifted weights. He's got a thick chest and big arms and everything. And suddenly I looked and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not him. And he had the mask on, but his neck was way skinnier and it was a skinnier guy. It was <laughs> when the guy got lit on fire and then he just ran around the guy in fi- on fire. And when he went through the door, came out the other side, it was old Mil Mascaris again. <laughs> so I, I don't know why they did that. Maybe they were just afraid. Well, they, didn't, they didn't want him anywhere near fire, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he took a bad bump on a exploding ring match or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it, now that the what this movie, um, I guess uh, the canon for Mil Mascaris is maybe it, it would be like a James Bond thing where there have been, I don't know if I would say you know, hundreds, but there's been generations of Mil Mascaris's, and he is just a descendant of this yeah. great lineage. Yeah. And the masked warriors, and and well, like you were saying in the previous movie, it's also sw- swiped from that as well. Yeah, because they were talking about uh, Santo's ancestor who defended them, so they came. That was another thing they took. But that's also something you'll see in actual uh, luchadors, them passing on the name. Well, yeah, and you see you see a few of the guys in this. Um, uh, El hijo de Santo. There's a uh, hijo de Blue Demon. Dos Caras was in this, and that is actually. Mil Mascaris's brother in real life. They had there were he had two actual real brothers, and they portrayed his brothers, wrestling brothers. But it was um, Dos Caras and uh, I think El Psychedelico, mm-hmm. his brothers. So yeah, that idea of the whole wrestling lineage. You well, know, what the fuck that, in the hell? How, how okay? Uh, I wonder how PJ Souls was approached for this movie. God, it has to be through Jeff Burr. Yeah. And he found her at a uh, convention. It's like, hey, you want to be in this movie? Yeah. We're going to sit you next to Harley Race, and you're going to pretend to watch a match. We'll the, pay you 500 bucks. It, you know go. what would have been funny is if they would have had her like on a bed, and Harley Race would have came and went, I want you around. <laughs> <laughs> like, gets up and like singing right close to her face like Joey Ramone. I and feel then, bad for Harley Race in this movie, though. Instead of the other Ramones eating pizza, you'd have like fucking uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, Dick the Bruiser over there eating pizza, <laughs> and uh, Johnny Ramones playing the guitar, being an asshole. Hey, fucker. Yeah, I felt bad for Harley in this. He he looked kind of out of it. God, he looked like. Sh- yeah, he he was bad. He's pointless. Too. Ring are taking. Tremendous punishment. <laughs> this is the most exciting thing I have ever seen. <laughs> <sighs> the wrestling was not very well filmed. Um, it wasn't very well wrestled, but the I, I hated the way they filmed. Harley Race was raping Richard Lynch in a prison cell. What? <laughs> I, I hated the way the wrestling was filmed in this with the fucking, I don't know, the zoomy, the zoomy in the Audi camera. And that was and a pretty the, shitty venue. I mean, there looked like there was about 20 people in the whole place. And it was yeah, and then the stage. second one, they had the, the stage, but it had to be a terrible way to watch wrestling is in a fucking yeah. like auditorium. Which I mean, I was just wondering, how the hell are you going to see the ring if it's up above you? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, and those guys look pretty, pretty fucking. Uh, the, 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 the guys that they were wrestling, the guys without the mask, look like talk about jabronis. They look fucking worse than jabronis. <laughs> they, they look like shit. <laughs> At least the guys in his Santo movie. I mean, I recognize a couple of those guys because they wrestled in California and stuff. But uh, these guys look like somebody from some fucking uh, wrestling school in Cary, North Carolina. <laughs> Sorry, what? Um. Yeah. Oh, and we haven't mentioned the robot too. There's a fun. That's there's a robot. Awesome. This ridiculous robot in it that is. Um, he's very broad bodied and floppy armed. It reminds uh, me of um, Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah, but I, I could see the comparison. Very realistic and. Uh, <laughs> or more like Robbie the robot, but that thing fucking kicked ass. How about that remote control? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looked like a TV remote control with fucking rabbit. With an aerial on it. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing was, you got a remote control, but the fucking stupid-ass doctor, I guess the remote control, didn't even with those big rabbit ears, did not have much range. <laughs> he was standing right behind it. <laughs> it whipped ass, though. And it was the guy in the robot was the same guy who played the Aztec mummy. Yeah, and, and it, it looked like the the Kool Aid Man from the old commercials when it busted in. I didn't know what was happening. I knew some. I I. It's suspected, of course, someone was going to, you know, come and save the day or whatever. Other than the the, the gang, the legion of luchadors, which was goofy. <laughs> but when that robot came busting through there, I was like, "Holy shit, man! This is gonna be awesome." Well, speaking of that legion of luchadors, you know, there were people in there that I recognized. You know, you had Blue Demon Junior and Hurricane Ramirez Junior, and then there was just random white guy in the Cyclops mask. Yeah, and then there was a couple chicks too. There's a couple chicks too. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> Anyway, uh, anybody does anybody want to? I mean, we we don't have to continue this. Literally, this is this is besides being goofy, it's the same fucking movie as before. How okay? Um, one thing I wanted to add though that I thought was hilarious is just kind of like washing in as we're talking about it was when <laughs> the president took Bill Moskers to see the Joint Chiefs of Staff, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, I don't know if we should take uh, this. This man isn't even an American, and he's not." A, and he goes, "You know, I, you know and, he, and, and he goes, "I've got something to say, and I would like for all you to listen." And he says, "There is this Aztec mummy," and it would have been funny if those guys would have just sat there and just looked at each other and went. What the fuck? Well, the, are the, you guy, the guy in the front, the guy in the front had that look. You gotta be fucking kidding! <laughs> Can you yeah, imagine this... if Obama would walk in with like fucking some luchador and be like, <laughs> yeah, hey, don't, so. "Don't say it." There's probably somebody at Fox who thinks thinks that actually happened. And when they end up pulling the mask, okay, the luchador does all this stuff and blah 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 blah. And then in the end, when they when he finally reveals who it is, it's Bill O'Reilly. But it's it's <laughs> he he was. Uh, uh, a sleeper is Bill. Is Bill O'Reilly the luchador? Or is he the Aztec mummy? <laughs> he is the fucking uh, the luchador, and it ends up that the Aztec mummy is Obama. Oh, oh what a twist! Yeah. <laughs> nice. I got a sequel. Uh, let's just rate this. I got to go to bed. All right, and Harley Race <laughs> rapes Richard Lynch. <laughs> Yay! Look at that punishment. <laughs> this is, these men are showing intestinal fortitude like you've never seen PJ Souls. Um, I would give this a an eight because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. And it's sad uh, it's... that I'm rating it higher than the other one. 
Um, but I'm not going to change my rating. But I laughed my fucking nuts off at this fucking movie. Um, it was just stupid as shit, but it was hilarious. No. Laura, what do, you, good... what do you rate it? All right, in, ter- in terms of it, its technical ability and it, it's standing alone as the film, it can't score much higher than a, like a five. But this was a hell of a lot of fun. This would be a great movie just to put on for people because it really does live up to, again, the perceptions that uh, are out there of the crazy Luchador movie. Yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously. You can laugh at it a lot. It'd be a good drinking movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, from looking at your uh, listening to your show and your group and everything, um, is it easier to list the movies that aren't good drinking movies? Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, I, I, I score it a, a six point seven five. Um, what? Th- well, I'll tell you. I'll tell, tell you my. I, with it. I'll tell you my problem with it. <laughs> I'll tell you my problem with it is that. I I got kind of impatient with it by the end. I felt like it was too long, which is kind of weird. It's only an hour and forty minutes. Three hour fucking rape movie last. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, that was definitely too long. Well, they definitely um, could have cut out the psychedelic mushroom scene, or at least done something. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like some of the 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 constant visits to the mummy felt like the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Wait a minute. We already ordered. I got kind of bored with that. So. He got the mushrooms. Got the mushrooms. That's, impo- that's impossible. We don't serve mushrooms. I'm I love fucking that, looking I love at it cust- right now. <laughs> I love that customer service too. She's just like, that's impossible. We don't serve that, and like walks immediately away, <laughs> not not to not to like answer any more questions. You know, that would have been funny if they'd have walked in there and he'd have been in there just smearing his own shit all over his face, <laughs> laughing maniacally, <laughs> giving Harley Race a hand job. <laughs> See, we could have made a better movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. No Let's take a break and wrap this train wreck up. We'll be right back. <laughs> Fuck no yeah! believed in the first years <laughs> of the 21st century that Hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamacus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamacus.com and iTunes. Cheers. Is that the Mash theme song? Yeah, so so he said he was thinking of Monster Mash, which somehow led him to the Manic Street Preachers. Huh. So I don't I don't know where the the, the tenuous link is there. See in the um, Hamicus promo, I thought it was actually you were actually going to play a cut from the uh, War, War of the Worlds musical. That's so why I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> the musical rocks. It's got Richard Burton in it. Nah, yeah. she bad.
not Richard Dead, Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> he could punch Harley Race in the gut. And, oh, wait. <laughs> enough of Harley Race. Um, feed Sack. Feed Sack. Okay. I begged a little bit for it. Yeah, thanks. And we got some from Justin. Well, I'm going to be up all night. I don't care. Fuck, I got to go to sleep. No sleep for um, you. Let me see if I can find this shit. Oh, God, we got another one. It's still coming in. <laughs> we have so many fans. <laughs> it's gotta be Hold up, I got to leave and I got to call you guys. First Feed Sack. Hello, for asking for some feedback or some feed sack. So I figured I'd come to Damascus and send in some. And I actually have something that I did want to bring up anyway. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends uh, just the other day. Stone and I cold? started making some stuff, in Rhodes references, and, you know, just a bunch of NWA references. And, uh, you know, I knew he would get the references because he's a wrestling fan. But he surprised me by saying that he doesn't care for the Dusty Rhodes or any of the stuff uh, at that time. He, he said the finishers back in the day were stupid, which is kind of humorous considering they're stupid now. I mean, if anything, it made more sense back then because DDT would put you away, but whatever. Uh, he just, you know, he says he, he says he's enjoying that stuff, and then nobody does, which that last part was probably just uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek. But it did make me think, you know, what's with these millennials as they're being coined now? And just, what's with my generation not respecting the past? Well, Especially when it comes to wrestling, to wrestling. What's, why can't they get into the '80s stuff and all the before? I, I find I find it, I find it very entertaining. I, you know, I, it's one thing I love to uh, go back and watch now. As I was just watching a Clash of the Champions the other day, and I watched Old Dusty Rhodes beat the hell out of Egg Sucking Dog, the Road Warrior Animal. He broke a chair over his leg. <laughs> he gave up the chance to pick his. His third partner, a stock 88, True Grit with two T's. Ah, so he's got a little <laughs> bit of True Grit with two T's. You know, and that's just, that's exciting, man. That's great, and you know, I don't know, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way, even if he was just joking a bit. But it's like, you know, I, and there's a lot of people in my generation that feel that way. Not just about, about wrestling, but about films, and just everything in general. And it, and it was a, always going to happen, it's a generational thing. But God damn it, it pisses me off. People need to, to look in the past and learn from the past and enjoy the past because the past is great and the future could be great too but the past it just because it's in the past doesn't mean it's not good anymore and I figured what? you two you are egg sucking dogs which that's the other thing I made that reference and you thought it was stupid and I don't care for people not liking the term egg sucking dog I think the only people that don't like the term awesome egg sucking dogs so I figured I'd leave it to the floor to Zamalope, the silver and gold. What are your thoughts on uh, my generation not liking old Dusty Rhodes or the NWA and all that? You know, shoot. I never um, listened to your generation. <sighs> your generation. Um, what? Your generation is I old enough. What did he say? I said, so, "Fuck you." I wasn't listening, sir. Just a generation is is young enough to be Zom's children now. So I didn't like Dusty Rhodes even when I was watching it because he's a big fat yellow dog. I love Dusty Rhodes when I was a kid, baby. I see. I I was I was into wrestling in the eighties when uh, Dust when Big Dust was uh, doing his thing when he was being the Midnight Rider with the mask on, even though nobody ever proved it was him. So I don't still don't know if it was him or not, but. Make an accusation. You can't back up, baby. But I, I was, I was, I, I love Dusty. I, I was, I was, I was, I was fearful for his health. I love when the four horsemen broke his leg. Beat him up. 
especially <laughs> Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr., who were the best. He was never part of my wrestling when I was a kid. I mean, I may have come into it too late, but I don't know. I never watched where did it. You st- where did you start with wrestling? Uh, probably around 89 when I was like, or oh, 90. Okay. I was like five. So, so Shawn Michaels. And yeah, Brett, but you were Brett five in 1990. I was born in 85, man. Jesus Christ, I graduated <laughs> from high school in 84. Like I said, <laughs> you could be my father. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Where'd you live? <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. It sucks that I, I think if it sucks that uh, that with with the the current product out there that that people kind of stop with that, and especially the wrestlers themselves well, when they don't. Well, you know, it's just it's, we were talking about this the other day with my guy at work, and they were talking about Miley Cyrus, and I said, yeah, you know what, and fucking, we're just like the people that said when Elvis was on TV, oh, that fucking asshole's up there, look at him up there shaking his leg and moving his hips. <laughs> and the same thing, I mean, you know, fuck, uh, I'm getting old. The shit I grew up with is the only shit now. And yeah, I'm getting, the older I'm I get, you know, when I got, when I was young, you know, and you would look back at certain things, you thought, ah. Oh. But then, as you get older and you become a historian or a bigger fan, you go back and appreciate the old stuff. But well, you know, the the shit going on today is the, is what's going on today. It's no better or no worse, and you know, things go in cycles and. And you can't really get mad at folks for not liking stuff from back in the day because it's just the same as them not, you know, I don't know. I, I even musically, I mean, I know there were things that at a certain point in my life, if my older sister listened to something, I'd be like, how can you listen to that shit? Oh, my God, I like this, and this is the only thing. And then <laughs> at 10 years later or five years later, I'd be like, man, I really like the Doors or the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or the Creedence Clearwater Revival or, you know, and then go the other way. I really like this, this, this. And, you know, you just, you, you're, you're, Taste change too in your perspective, and you become more. Some people become more open minded, some people become more closed minded. So, you know, just do what you, you know, do what you want, man. And if as uh, we've said this a million times before, when we disagree on a movie we review, and you know, like Loaf will say, Well, I liked it, and I said, You know, hey, that's all that matters. What's it matter if I like it, you know? Sure, when you like something and you want to share it with somebody, it's kind of disappointing if they don't like it. But as long as it entertains you, who gives a fuck? It's just like anal sex. Or this show. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not uh, this show. This doesn't entertain anybody. Last feed sack. Hello? Hello? Is this Silver and Gold? Hi. Hello. Hi. This is Saul. Saul Rosenberg. I am calling to complain that two of your employees... A Dr. Zahm and a Mr. Loaf are horrible, horrible people and were very, very abusive towards me. Mm-hmm. I was, there I was, I was, I was in the parking lot of my local Taco Bell and I was like going to enjoy a nice, a nice lunch of a nice enchilito and eat it in my car, <laughs> like, as I do. And I was accosted by Dr. Zahm and Mr. Loaf and they were mean to me. And they were verbally abusive to me, and they said horrible things to me, and they hurt my feelings. And then, oh, God, oh, God, then they grabbed me, and and one of them grabbed my glasses, and he dashed them to the ground and and crushed them under his shoe. 
And the other one, I don't know which one. He he, he grabbed me. They they both they both grabbed me and they they tossed me to the ground and they stepped on my head and, and <laughs> oh god they they took turns and one of them was took sand and rubbed it in my assy nipples in in my ass neck. Oh god, it was humiliating. It was horrible. I I, I insist. I insist that, oh, Jesus, I insist that you take take repercussion and, uh, and disciplinary actions against Dr. Zom and Mr. Loaf because they're horrible, horrible people. Thank you very much. Goodbye. We will have to put that up the chain. I'm sorry, Mr. Rosenberg. I don't, I don't remember that. We must have been drunk. So My dog's having a dream right now. should <laughs> be ashamed. <laughs> Running in her sleep and, and barking. You know, when they bark under their breath, they're like... Like they're trying to work at something. God, my dog does that. Awesome. It's creepy. I keep thinking my dog's having a seizure when she does that. So I, I want to wake her up, but then she gives me a look. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why'd you wake me up? Was that a Jerky Boys thing, Saul Rosenberg? It's entirely possible. All right, next week Speaking on the show. <laughs> Next, uh, yeah, next time on the show, we are uh, we're doing a couple more. I think we did a couple like uh, uh, not quite Christmas Christmas movies last year. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna do the theme again. <laughs> Our next episode will be right around Christmas. So um, we're going to uh, review. Now I'll wait for it. One is Zom. Maybe these are our, our Christmas presents to each other. Yeah. What? Um, we're doing one that Zom's never seen, uh-huh. surprisingly, and one that I've never seen. We're gonna do. Gremlins from 1984, and we'll 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 everybody guess can guess who's not seen which, and we're gonna do Eyes Wide Shut from 1999. So should be an interesting show. Um, well, you can well maybe you can always send us feed sacked to zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or silvergoldpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher and our website at silverandgold.com, and join our Facebook group. Facebook.com slash groups slash Silva and Gold. Mr. Senor El Gorro. Yes, thank sir. you very much for these picks. We thank you very much for coming on the show with us so very late this evening. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Check out um, <laughs> Twerp. Was it really? What was it really? I was. Um, I had a good time. Tell I mean, everybody most, again most, where of to... the, most of the fun stories is shit that we weren't recording, but you know. I know we fucking <laughs> left it all in the fucking uh, locker room. No, you see, but, but I, I actually have all of the recordings of this happening. So he records everything. I record everything. I'm like John so, Travolta. It's creepy. Tell, <laughs> the NSA. Uh, tell, tell everybody again where they can find your various endeavors. All right. Well, if you want to check out Talk Without Rhythm, that's T W O R podcast.blogspot.com. Again, that's just kind of a general movie discussion shit. Uh, I also do a podcast called It Came from the Underground, which is part of the Drunken Zombie Podcasting Network. And I guess Talk Without Rhythm is as well. That can be found at drunkenzombie.com. And I do a monthly metal podcast with the Son of Odin, who has his own podcast, the Son of Odin's podcast. That is the Sons of Metal podcast, where every month we select two new music releases, one indie release, and one independent, or sorry, uh, one classic release. And we just bullshit and we listen to a bunch of metal. And that can be found at sonsofmetalpodcast.com. Yay! I'm all over the fucking map. Yeah, you're a busy man. Yeah, I'm trying um, to be. <sighs> I'm tired. You know, before, <laughs> <laughs> before Skype gives up fucking entirely, uh, does anybody else have anything else? 
I got a shit so bad. Does anybody else have anything to add this week besides turds? There you go. (laughs) Until next week, this is Love Oot. Fuck Jake. Bye. Bye.